Welcome to the Modern Rustic. I'm Russell. I'm Zach. We are a community-based podcast from the heart of the Fraser Valley, where we have classic conversations about our current culture and the impact we have on it. We have a terrible habit of not remembering the photo afterwards. Okay. Um, we don't do like a like a group photo. Okay. We can do a group photo. Yeah. yeah that's not how you do it. No. Oh, okay. We could. It just seems awkward to be like. <laughs> all right, here I find, you know, there's like a casual photo. Of, yeah. Because we're all part of this. It's not just me. It's everyone. You know, yeah, but something. we're part of every episode. It's, it's like, true. It's like how, you know how you can always see your nose. Your nose is always in your field yeah. of vision, but your brain blocks it out. But That's what happens with the modern rustic is the guests more. forget that we exist because <laughs> oh, we're always there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, see, I would have thought it'd be you guys are the, the consistent thing that people subscribe for and it's the consistency that you guys bring that allows everyone else to to flourish it's more like when you move into a new house and it smells bad for the first little bit Mm, but then you just get used to it and you don't notice it Mm, are we the bad smell yes interesting i don't know if i like that analogy zach (laughs) that's pretty terrible i'm gonna be honest with you why can't uh... we be like the new car smell sure we're the new car smell new car smell that's better. It, it, you like it a lot of times, but every once in a while, it's a little bit irritating. You're some, you get sick of it eventually. That's us go. to a T. Yeah. 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 That's why we let the guests do more of the talking. You know, it's like when you get it, you're like, oh, I love that new car smell. And then you're just like, you go on a road trip for three hours, you're like, I need a break. I got a headache. This is terrible. Mm. That's you guys. That's us. That's, That's why you guys keep it to two hours. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Do you, do you get that with Febreze? I don't use Febreze. Oh, what do you use? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, just like for... What do you use to make your house smell good? To I cover up the bad odors? Clean it. Smart. <laughs> Smart. Okay, <laughs> but what if that's not an option? I don't really have like dogs or animals, so there's really not... I cook steak a lot, so there's usually a nice a nice steak aroma. That sounds all right. Yeah. Huh. That's a good substitute you know the, for Febreze. The premise of Febreze. How it all kind of happened? No, I don't. No, I feel like I should, but you're. It was on that uh, the Power of Habit book. Mm, I haven't read that one. Uh, And what he did is he, I'm not gonna be able to know the, the exact story or the lingo. There was a specific chemical that they found. I think it was NASA that found it. NASA, they find all sorts of stuff. Velcro, brilliant. (laughs) NASA, and what it is is it's purely a smell or a chemical that blocks smell. So Febreze finds this and they put this in this thing and they, you know, give it to all these and it performed the highest of any test product they'd ever used. Problem is nobody bought it. They buy it once and the, the, the resell of it or the, you know, repeat buying of it was non-existent because they didn't actually put a smell to it. This chemical that blocks the smell okay. doesn't actually have a smell in itself. So you'd spray it and most people didn't know what it actually did. Mm-hmm. So that's why Febreze Linton, if you remember the 90s, Nose blindness. Mm. You remember mm-hmm. that that in all their commercials they all use the term nose blindness, and it was people that lived in a stinky house didn't know they were living in a stinky house because they become accustomed to it. Oh, so they didn't know any difference of so if you sprayed this thing that masks the smell, it would be effective for other people, but you didn't really notice anything. Whereas if you sprayed it, they put the smell they've added to it. Then now you actually know. And then they really leaned into the fact of being nose blind because then people started to think, well, maybe I'm that. And it became one of their best-selling items. 
Oh. It was literally on the scrap shelf. It was going to be gone. They were. It was. It was so close to not being a thing. And then they brought in a new CEO or something or a new guy to to market it, and it just took off. Genius. Yeah. I think I actually did know about that because you can still buy like the the original. Yeah, you can buy the non-scented. It's like a different brand name. I can't remember okay. what, but. I, I remember that from a certain time in my life where I wanted a certain smell eliminated from everything I owned at all times. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. So they used that, they were going to use that on, like, the space station? I'm not sure exactly. I think they probably came up with it or something like that, and they yeah. and then... A lot of stuff gets invented by accident, yeah. it seems. Or astronauts. Hmm? Or astronauts. Because they work where they work for NASA, but it was probably more like the scientists working that. Yeah, covered. no, you're right. Probably wasn't the. You know, I don't think astronauts actually invent very many things. Probably too busy with other things. They're like the doers. Yeah. The 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 science guys are like the hey we'll just invent things and then the astronauts are like okay we'll take these things up to space. What was the there was Velcro? What was the other thing they invented? The big one. The big one. Yeah. Uh, well, space. other than space trap. <laughs> <laughs> they invented space, didn't they? <laughs> this is all just a subtle ploy before we get into uh, the moon landing was a big conspiracy, isn't it? You think so, too? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, we're just building up to that, aren't we? It doesn't just... make any sense. If we went there in the 60s, why haven't we been back? It's not that interesting. What's more up there? We have only went to one spot. Yeah. What have happens? you, have you what? traveled, Russell? I have traveled, yes. To where? Name one one place you traveled to. <sighs> Alberta. You gonna go back? Yeah, I love it there. Okay, different example. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mexico. Bad example, also. Yeah, plenty to do there. There's stuff you, there. You got to pick a place where there's not. Have you been to JD McFunnigan's? No. Okay, what's a... Olive Garden? Have you been to Olive Garden? Yes. Would you go back? Yeah, because for the breadsticks. They don't have breadsticks on the moon, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. What do they have on the moon? Wait, oh wait, no one knows. Let's find out. Rocks. I think it's the age-old homage. It's going to be, you know, Olive Garden will only keep you there so long till finally you look up and say, why am I at the Olive Garden with all these fat people? Breadsticks <laughs> are only going to keep you there just, just long enough. Yeah, but see, for me, Olive Garden is delicacy. What's that? Like going to the moon. It's a delicacy. Oh, okay. You don't get to go all the time. Only once every hundred years or so. It's like the what's the comet that only comes every hundred years? Is it Halley's comet? Halley's comet, yeah. Every hundred years? Okay. Might be less yeah. often. You're both nodding, so I'm gonna it, say it, I'm it, right. It's, it's, I think I don't know if it's an exact, but it's roughly like okay. it's like every hundred okay. nine years, something like years. Now, does that one go around the whole solar system and then comes back, or does it just go around like a couple planets? Yeah, we don't know anything about space. Because <laughs> you wonder, like, how in the world do we know that it was coming back? What if it doesn't come back next time? Well, you can, if you can watch it, you can see and you can map it out. So even if mm, you true. never see it in your lifetime, you know, scientists can pretty much see. Yeah. Okay, it'll show up around this time. That's true. Anyways, did you know that there's a huge contention on what they should use the James Webb Telescope for? What is the when well, they're not we sure what shouldn't be? Well, they're not sure what they should point it at, basically. <laughs> okay. Because they're like, well, 
we have this really cool technology and we can look at stuff really far away, but we're not really sure where to point it. <laughs> yeah, okay. That, that's as far as I know. Yeah. Well, what is that? It's There's infinite amount of things that we could point it to and therefore we're lost and we don't have anything to point it to. Exactly. It's the dilemma of option paralysis. Yeah. That one too. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel with life. It's like... You, you know, people say you can be anything you want. You can do anything. And therefore, you're just stuck. And like, well, now what do I do? I don't know what to, I don't know what to do one thing, let alone these th- million things you say I can do. Do you think that a more realistic approach is better? Probably. Like, if, if you tell a, a, a 15-year-old, hey, you can do anything you put your mind to, is that good advice? There's, I think, a certain part where you have to reel it in. The younger, the more grandiose it can be. And as they get older, it has to be, you know, fixate. You know, find something, mm-hmm. you know. If you're getting all D's, but you're like, I'm going to be an astronaut. Right. Things aren't adding up here. <laughs> you know, try try to think more in your wheelhouse. It's like, by all means, encourage that person to, to increase themselves better, if that's a possibility. But just... You know, if you're, when you're three, you can, you know, be anything. Right. You know, the, the possibilities are endless. But when you're 15 and this, it's it's a little bit less. And when you're 20, it's significantly less. You're, yeah. You've already messed up the first one. Professional gymnast is usually off the table. Probably. Professional most athlete is usually off the yeah. table. Yeah, if you're not. Or equestrian, you can make that work. Table tennis, you can pick Ta- up later. Yes, right? that's true. What are the, what are the other ones like? Other sports that you can just pool. Goaling. Uh, What's the one in the water? Polo. Water polo? Both types. (laughs) More specifically. Pretty sure water polo is a very difficult sport. Very athletic and, you you know, not for the... Is it? I'm pretty sure. I don't actually know how to play water polo. Have you ever tried to beat your legs so fast that your belly button is popping out of the water for an extended period of time? Only in the shallow end. (laughs) <laughs> so no <laughs> okay oh have, did, have you ever seen that picked that black and white photo of that huge polo guy the water polo player okay and it, he's got some crazy russian name but he's like he's like the size of a gorilla i don't know if i've seen him oh man okay. i'll show it to you later okay it's this guy is huge and he's got the cool hat on you can just imagine like that guy playing dirty in the water with you oh that's not to be a good thing. You weren't you'd be like, oh, like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like <laughs> no, that, that, that guy wraps his arms around you, and you're you're, you're struggling for breath, man. This is not. Oh yeah, that's the way I want it. Rock me to sleep. Yeah. No, like his hands, like he could like crush your, he could break your arm with one hand. Yeah. But oh, that's like what's his name, Andre the Giant. Yeah. He was big too. What a sad story. Right. Okay. Yeah, but I don't think there was really anything he could do about it. No, he was just dealt a terrible hand in life. Like, he was just in constant pain, and like you, you always hear stories about like how much he drank and like just to cope with the the chronic pain and yeah, like a hundred and thirty beers a yeah 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 crazy like that yeah insane like a keg himself yeah and everybody has stories about like oh we found him in a hotel lobby one day and he was just completely passed out and nobody could lift him out of the hotel lobby <laughs> so we just left him there until he sobered up and 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, what do you do? Yeah. Like, you can't just carry him out of there. Now I look at it from a different angle. So it's like, you dealt a crappy hand, yes. Considering that, did he not make the absolute most of it? Oh, he did, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he That's capitalized true. on he, what he, he wasted was given. nothing. You know, it was... He was successful in every endeavor he seemed like he tried. He was world-renowned to this day, we're talking. He's... Well, yeah, we're still talking about him, and he, he died, what, 30 years ago? I don't know when he died, but, yeah, a while ago. A while ago, for yeah. sure. That's, yeah, know, that's true. remember, anybody want to beat it? True. Do you think that's actually true? Do you think in, say, 300 years we'll know who he is? Right. Like the, the same things that matter now, wrestling and things like that, are probably <laughs> a non-existent thing. But so, do you think we'll remember who he is? No. Yeah. You know, there's certain things that are just not going to be a thing anymore. If you look at what we view now, so even basketball has been around for, what, a bit over 100 years, baseball, 150 years, you know, at the most. Those are blips. Yeah, that's you know, true. You think that's what's going to be what's still important in 300 years. I, I don't. I think we're in there. Our world has changed incredibly in those 150 years. Well, or in from the last to five now. years, right? So what'll you know be important and what we could potentially do would be so much different. I can't even think of it at the time. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's going to be wild. Go ahead, Zach. Uh, I was just going to say, welcome to the Modern Rustic, because oh. we're about to do that signature thing where we don't yes. introduce the guest. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, we have a bad habit of just delving into conversation and then remembering to introduce people about half an hour in. <laughs> the best movies, you know, let's face it, uh, in Glorious Bastards, there's a good like 20 minute intro and it's one of the best movies of all time. See? Yeah. Sure. We're basically Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree strongly. We, we're... Oh, okay. All right. You have oh. to have your uh, your Reservoir Dogs first before you can com- make that comparison. You can't just jump in and be like, I'm mm, this. That's true. And you got to have that breakthrough where it's like you've earned the title. You've earned the ability to do that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know what still surprises me is that when he made Reservoir Dogs, after that, it was so popular, he could basically do anything he wanted. Yeah. One movie. Yeah. One movie, more or less. He, he was the king. And his wow. first. Reservoir Dogs was the, his, he, the first he wrote, movie he made. But he didn't direct uh, True Romance. True Romance. Yeah. Afterwards, though. Uh, I thought. I think that was before. I think that was like mm, 91 ish, 92, and Reservoir Dogs, or 92 was Reservoir Dogs. They're very close. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, it's... Yeah. That was his first rote direct... Even still, like, he, he directed one movie and then he had a blank check to direct and write whatever who, he wanted. Who else could do that? Yeah. Like, who else has done anything close to that? It's like, oh, you make one bomb and you're out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. for, you know, It's like, Roman Polanski had to flee to France and do a bunch of things before he's... He's still not out of America. <laughs> You can still make American movies if you wanted to. You know what? I can't remember any of his movies that I've seen. What has he done, Zach? Um, Didn't he do The Exorcist? No. Polanski? He was the pianist. 
with what's his name? Uh, Adrian Brody. Yep, yeah. that's him. I just I watched. Think he won like an Academy Award for that one. I can't think of any other movies. The only movie that's coming to mind, I know it's not him, but what's that movie? The black and white movie. Charlie Chaplin. No. Uh, where the guy plays chess with death. Uh, oh. Meet Joe Black. It's not the Seventh Circle. It's See, the Seventh thinking... Seal. It's called the Seventh oh, Seal. Okay. Ingmar good. Bergman mm. is the director of that one. He's great. She's great. <laughs> he. Oh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Women weren't allowed to make films back then. I. Yeah, you're probably right. I think was he Rosemary's Baby? That's the one I'm trying to remember. He, he was yeah. really, which is like his yeah big one. Okay, okay. I don't think I've seen that one. Is that the one with the car? No, that's The Great Gatsby. <laughs> <laughs> there is a car in that one. To be fair, we should go back to space. So apparently, you know more about that. <laughs> I know a few things about space. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <sighs> What's the last movie you watched? Oh, um, that's a good question. I don't do you still watch movies? I do. They're they're not great. <laughs> like the movies you watch? Both. Oh. <laughs> the 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 few that I do watch aren't great. Oh. So I tend to watch other ones that I know aren't great, but I've seen them. But I know they're not great, and somehow that's better. Just because you can kind of shut off. I think so. Yeah. Like Looper. Looper's good. That is a good movie. Looper. It is a good. Oh no, sorry. I was thinking about Jumper. Oh, okay. Yeah. That Which is. I also still like. Me too. It's a good popcorn movie. Oh, no. Oh, sorry. I missed you. <laughs> Nobody knows Jumper. Jumper's so good. I love It's like one of my, like, 10, there's like 10 or 15 movies where I'm like, this movie's not great, but I kind of watched it when I was young, and I still like it now, and it's got, they're usually ones where they have, like, some funky superpower or something and you wanted it so bad you wanted it so bad young, you still had dreams that you're like i can have this yes i just have to i just have to i don't know thought i could be peter pan and fly when i was 12 so i don't know that was national treasure for me yeah. national treasure i still like national treasure now it's not it's good, good. It, well okay did you watch the new oh the TV show series on no the... no is that worth no? Okay. <laughs> I just thought if he liked it that much, maybe, and then he could give me the insight of if I should Yeah. Been. Yeah. No, I can't give you that insight. I can give you the insight of I probably won't watch it. But, <laughs> I mean, that's is that one on Disney? Yeah, it is. Yeah. <sighs> you know what? I look on the Disney sometimes, and then I just don't bother. Like, there's so little on there that I'm going to watch. I'm going to give you this little doozy I found on okay. Crave. Crave? Yeah. Okay. It's uh, the movie. It's called Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Okay. That's it? You just give me I the name? I can give you more if you want. But well, what's it about? It's Kristen Wiig. Okay. Who wrote, mm-hmm. starred, and played two roles. And it's terrible, but a comedic genius, if you ask me. Really? Kristen Wiig? Mm-hmm. She's from Bridesmaids, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's great. <sighs> yeah. I just... Yeah. I guess she just, I never really saw it that way before. Well, she was kind of one of those people that, like, ran SNL in the background while she was there. Right. Like, she was on SNL, and while she was there, she was, like, in everything. Every skit, yeah. Yeah. What was that called? Barb? And Star. (laughs) Go to Vista Del Mar. Yeah, just write it down real quick. It's, uh... 
you know, for what it is. You know, there's a when you watch a movie, there's different ways you can categorize it. It's the ones where you just you know what you're getting into, and for what it is, it's actually very enjoyable. Ones where they just try to be something that's not, and just I don't know <laughs> what what even is this. <laughs> You realize that we never actually introduced him, Zach? No, yeah, I, I know. I'm, I'm waiting for my moment. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. You want to do it now? Sure. Welcome to the Modern Wrestling Podcast. Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Uh, I'm Adam, and thank you for having me. I like to do everything, and that includes good things and bad things once, and if I want to do them again, if it's good, I keep doing them. That doesn't narrow it down or make our jobs easier. But it's everything. <laughs> okay. Now, when you say the the bad things once, what's something? What's a bad thing that you've done more than once? Mm, go to university. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you go to university for? Uh, kinesiology. Twice? No. Well, uh, you, by the time you sort of get through it, it's a drag of you know you do it and then you get put on hiatus for six months and then you get another class and then you have to wait a year for another mm. class and uh, so yeah, it's kind of just do I want to keep going with this and right. make that decision over and over again? Are you still going to gym every morning? Excellent. Okay. <clears throat> if you were to tell someone like myself who is less than gym ready okay i need i need workouts at home that i can do with no equipment for basic cardio cardio well okay sure thing about cardio is it's i'm going from no exercise to uh, a modicum of exercise sure so, you know, I'm not sure why you want to narrow down to just cardio. Why, you know, any exercise. Because I get out of breath really quickly. But then any exercise could essentially be cardio for you. Mm. You know, you don't need to fix it on a specific cardio exercise. You could make anything cardio. That's true. But I also know that a lot of cardio involves, like, stuff. <laughs> like equipment. Most of the time. So you're thinking, how can you do a cardio workout with yes. minimal equipment? Yes. So... You can do different things. They're kind of that's the thing with cardio is there's everything from a spectrum of walking is cardio. Okay. To the other end of the spectrum of something you can do for you know, you can essentially do walking forever, you know, for pretty much unlimited amount of time. And something you do on such a extreme level for such a short amount of time, such as sprinting, and you may only be able to do that for, you know, ten seconds at that level. I can do twenty at least. Okay. The harder you go, the less you're going to be able to do, and everything in between. So it depends on where you're trying to fit on that spectrum of what you want to do. You know, if walking at just a you know, huffing and pace isn't really doing it for you anymore, you need to choose something higher up on that spectrum. Hmm. Uh, where cardio kind of, you know, there's a lot of machines that you can do, which are fine, but they're kind of, you know, turn your brain off and just sort of go, which is... You know, you're still fulfilling the purpose, but it's a little bit... The, the thing with cardio is it's kind of sometimes just monotonous. So right. having something where you just you know, do it is kind of nice. Mm. You know, on a bike or on a treadmill, a treadmill's nice because it just keeps on going. You know, sometimes with a bike, if you got the resistance kind of hard, you're, you can slow down those repetitions a little bit and make it a little bit easier. Whereas if you set the treadmill, it's 
or even walking outside. If you go for a, a faster paced jog, something that's sometimes can fall back a little bit. If you have something to set yourself to, and it's easier to monitor with a machine, and if you just do it on your own with no equipment, how do you always monitor your intensity level if you're there? Mm. Not against it, it's just, that's why, that's the draw to why some people like those. So it's about the data. For for me, definitely. Like, uh, I've gotten into the Peloton thing. Yeah, I'm one of those Peloton guys. Yeah. <laughs> Not a sponsor. <laughs> and the reason why I like it is there's literally, you know, a number of metrics I can use for measurement. So... Uh, the first one I use is the total output. So okay. it pretty much measures a uh, combination of your resistance by repetitions per minute to give you your power output and it calculates on the screen and it compares you to everybody else that's in the race. So you can see where you're stacking up and then you can measure on that race or all time within that race. Hmm. So you can, you know, that's a measurement. Then you can also see your previous best. You can try to beat that one. Uh, then you can just sort of, you know, monitor, you know, my, my average resistance is... 45 I'm gonna to try to do 48 is my average one um, my repetitions I usually stay within this one I'm gonna to try to up it to this one so even if on the days you're not doing really well you can at least find some metric in there that you can probably look to be better at and on the days where you're doing better it's like oh let's really go for this I'm gonna win this race and I'm gonna mm. you know beat everybody in there today does that make sense Yes. Okay. So it's just about motivation. More or less, but isn't that, you know, what's your reason for not, you know, do you care about being fit? Do you care, you know, if you ask a question about, you know, what can you do for cardio, there's literally anything you can do. So the fact that you're not doing it is, you know, the bigger question as to what you should be doing. Hmm. That's a good point. I think that's that's probably just what's what's the thing where you're uh, afraid to start something. Is there a name for it? Beginner's paralysis. That sounds <laughs> sure. good. Sure. Beginner's paralysis. Yeah, there the amount of people I've met that will a tell me, oh, I'm starting this new program. But every time I meet them, they keep telling me that they're starting this new program and they never really started. Uh, and just people that fixate on, you know, different things. It's like they have to create this perfect thing. You know, if, if it's their nutrition plan, it's like instead of starting a diet, they're just always manipulating something. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, I can't start it yet until I figure out this. I got to do this first. Just start somewhere and it can always be adjusted as you go. Nothing is permanent that you're locking yourself into when you start. That's the last thing you should do. Start, yeah. at, start at level one. Great. You can only get better from there. Because the chances of you starting something and doing it perfectly are next to zero. <laughs> zero. Which is about one. That's a good question, though. Do you think people are more motivated by uh, you know, seeing somebody do something like that or almost deterred? Like... Be having it perfect the first time. So you see somebody do something and you you, you see and you kind of are intrigued by it. You know, so you see someone that does something kind of uh, exceptional skill level. They put a lot of time, a lot of work in there and you, you, you take notice. You're like, oh, that's really neat. I want to do that. Does that motivate people or does that actually deter them? And they start looking into all of the work that the person's put into it and they just almost pull back and say, 
why do I, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, and they almost talk themselves out of it. I think it's both. I think it starts with motivation. Like you, you see somebody who's made it a great way and you're like, man, I want to do that too. You know, I want to improve myself in that way as well. But then, you know, you start doing it and you realize how much work actually goes into it. Because if you see someone's, the result of someone's progress, you're not seeing the work that went into that. And then you experience that work firsthand <laughs> and you don't actually want to do it. Yeah, it's maybe not worth it. Even. Yeah. But that's, yeah. Yeah. And people, uh, when I worked in a gym setting, you could pretty much say right off the bat, 30% of the people that buy a gym membership have never been in there other than the day they bought the membership. Yeah. That's why the gyms are so, make yeah. so much money. Planet Fitness is closer to about 90%. Yeah. That they don't go. Yeah. 90% of Planet Fitness's clientele, and that's why they have it so cheap. Yeah. Because they're going to just Because you can get the membership, forget about it. You know, it's like, yeah. who cares if you don't go for, you know, if it's $20 a month or $10 a month, don't go for six months. It's not a big deal. It's almost more of a hassle to, you know, rejoin in the future yeah. than it is to, you know, then that money's worth it. Whereas, you know, if you're paying $50, $60 a month, you know, one or two months, you're not going. You're, why am I paying for this? Exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's like having a Netflix subscription. If you don't watch a movie for a month, you're like, well, I'm not going to delete my Netflix. Yeah. I mean, I'll watch a movie next month. I'll watch two. Oh, there you go. And then you <laughs> doubled it. You made, made up, up for, for it. it. <sighs> yeah, that's so interesting. Like, back when I was at the gym, like, I was, if I wasn't there, like, at least once a week, I'm like, this is a waste of money. I got to get rid of this. You're actually, I think the math is somewhere, you know, depending on the, which gym you go to. More or less, if you don't go three times a week, you're better off to just go on, like, gym passes to a rec center. Really? Yeah. Three times a week? Yeah. Wow. To a good gym, though. To not a good like gym. Like a Planet Fitness. No. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's probably, what, 30 or $40 a month? Probably closer to, like, 50 or 60 Okay. Yeah. I don't know what gym prices are these days. Somewhere around there. You can get them, you know, a decent one for 40-ish, but most around 50 to 60 But those come with the cool things, like the, like the saunas and the... Probably not. No. You get more of that at the rec center. Yeah. And hot tub and pool and everything there. I was just at a rec center two days ago. It was lovely. Right? It was great. Yeah. And so, you know, you can just buy, the, you know, $30 for 10 drop ins or whatever. I don't yeah. know what they are, but this is when I was working in a gym and I did the calculation for clients. That was my sales pitch to get them in the gym more. It's like you've already bought the membership. You need to be here at least three days a week mm-hmm. or else. Just go, go to the rec center. Yeah. Is it usually that the rec centers have less quality equipment? It depends. There's some that definitely fit that category. Some of the older ones. Mm. There's some nice ones. I know the White Rock one was a beautiful set of really nice brand new equipment. Um, everything is really, really nice. Langley one, two, one of the ones in Langley, all the other ones are garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think that's definitely a part of it, but they're so busy. The gym, uh, the rec the, center. The rec centers can be so busy. You know, the, any gym can be, but I think a big part of it is the rec centers are just, you know, there's times I've been to them at different parts of my life and I've walked out as soon as I walked in. It really? just wasn't worth it. Just the hassle of so many people and you got to fight for machines and weights. and It just wasn't worth it. Yeah. You know, so it's like I'd already done it a number of times and I knew how it was going to go based upon what I saw. I was like, this is just not worth it. I'll come back later. 
Mm. I've even done that. You know, I was there was a time where I was going to the gym at you know five thirty in the morning, and it would still be busy. Really, I, I started going that early to avoid the later rushes, and it's still I could get it. I could at least go then, but it was still busy. So then, what what what's the options for that then? If if you're that, then do you switch to another gym? I mean, because so, if you go to a gym that has less people, usually that's for a reason. So at the time, I decided I didn't want to even deal with that anymore. So I bought all my own equipment and <laughs> had my own gym and did it all on my own because I just didn't want to put up with that. And I also was very interested in everything different. Mm. So. I would buy what I wanted to experiment with within a safe atmosphere away from judgment. So I could right. buy this equipment, learn it completely on my own, and then get really good at it. And then what happened was 10 years went by, and then all the gyms all bought those equipment uh, items over those years. And now all gyms have those kind of things that I used to just work with on my own. Hmm. So are you still in that, like, you do stuff at home, or do you go to a gym now? Go to a gym now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've kind of got to the point where it's just, I used to hyper-fixate on it. I wanted everything a certain way. So it's like, there was a time where I was doing Olympic weightlifting, and if I couldn't use my barbell and my weight plates, I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I bought, like, a specific one. I was a, just a... You know, I had to do this at this time. I had my workout drink at this time. I had this one at that. I had everything perfect that I would do. I'm more simple now. None of that matters. <laughs> Just do it. Yeah. You know, it, anything can work. You know, anyone that tells you that this program is better and you have to do it this way, I'm pretty confident in saying that there is very little difference between any one of those and consistency beats programming any every day. Yeah. Consistency and intensity is better than, you know, this metric or that. Because the, the best diet or exercise program you will ever do is the one that you do. Exactly. Yeah. You know, results, unfortunately, are relatively slow. They don't happen really quick. You're quick. kidding. People, people like to make you think, <laughs> like, oh, hey, you're going to get huge on this. And that's their sales pitch. And it's, the truth is... You know, a little bit, if you see, is, you know, especially, you know, fat loss is a different one. You know, that one there can be Yeah, you see metrics quickly. Pretty quickly. Well, but, quickly in the beginning and then slower. Yeah. But then if you got really lean, then it's, you know, that's when you really start to see the... Yeah. You know, that's when it really looks good. You know, when you're, say, 250 pounds and you get down to 200 pounds, it's like, whoa, you look really good. Mm-hmm. But those last maybe 20 pounds, or those mm-hmm. last maybe 15 pounds, is when you see everything, all the detail come in. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh man, you look amazing now. When in reality, it was all the work from prior, but just those last few. Get that high definition. So I'm curious then, you've kind of touched on it already, is um, kind of the motivation to do it. Because I think that's what a lot of people struggle with when they're first starting out is like, because you don't see results right away. Yes. So, you know, you get to a gym, you start working out, you don't see results, and you become unmotivated unless you're finding, you know, some other external motivation to keep yourself going day to day. Because I think people expect it to happen pretty quick, and then they lose steam when it doesn't happen pretty quick. So it sounds like for you, 
and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but pushing the numbers seems like a pretty big thing, or it was at one time, maybe. Like, I lifted this much this week, maybe I can do this much this week, or like the Peloton thing, so. Yeah, uh, that's always kind of been a factor. It's mostly, when I was younger, I think it's more so comparing myself to others. As I've grown, it's more so myself. Right. So I could care less about what anybody else is doing, or what anyone else can do. It's just, what, what did I previously do? And just try to go there uh, and try to improve on those ones. Uh, you, you pretty much hit it there, I think. When I started it, I, I had the... I was chubby and I got really chubby in a very short period of time. <laughs> I went from being the skinny kid to being the fat kid in all of about a summer. Okay. So was this like high school? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Happens to the best of us. Right. Yeah. Puberty <laughs> hit me, man. I'm still working on it. <laughs> man, you got a beard though. That's cool. Uh, it hides the terrible <laughs> jawline. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, you know, I and I was young enough to be naive into thinking that what I do actually works, you know, or I, I, bu- I bought into it. That's a better way of putting it. So I, I bought into the Schwarzenegger dream. So I watched Pumping Iron. It's just like, I just got to be like Schwartzy. And you just continually do it, even though there's really nothing. You know, you do it. I watched a, a clip of a guy saying, you go to the gym, you go home, you see nothing. You go to the gym the next day, you go home, you see nothing. Well, it doesn't work. Well, you know, it, why do you keep doing it then? Well, you have enough surroundings, we have enough data, we have enough people that have done this to know that does work you just have to stay with it so I bought into that continually did it and then eventually I hit the point in my life where none of that even mattered it just became right a part of my life it was just the the results of it don't even really matter to some degree it's just you know I like to be better and like to improve myself but doing the thing is just the most important thing yeah and it just becomes part of what you do on a daily basis. What else, you know? Yeah. And it's not that any one form of this is better. This is where I'm really focusing on now is I used to be, like I said, by now this barbell, this time, you know, it's like I we, we mapped out all of my programs where it was Monday I do this workout. God forbid somebody comes in and wants me to do it. You know, I'm in the gym with a friend and they're like, oh, let's work this. That was not going to work for me. Yeah. It's like I do this. I've been thinking about it all day. Uh, I do it this way. Now it's the complete opposite. It's whatever, anything can work. You know, if I want to, you know, let's throw everything I've been doing out and try something completely different. Hmm. So it's, I guess that brings for me to the point of it's not, you're not motivated every day to do that. No. So does that just discipline or is it just structure? More structure habit. habit. Just, it, I've built that habit that it, it's just a part of it. I've seen. So just like everybody else, I have done the opposite. You know, you take and you say, do I really want to do this? Mm. You know, you take a few days off, you eat whatever you want, you whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't like the way I, I, I don't like that version of myself. I don't want, that is not the version of myself I want to be, you know, on, on every part of that. I, that's not what I want. I don't want it the, the way I feel, the way I look, and even the, 
the person I am. You know, I want to, I want to be the person. So I'm a big believer in just doing some things that are hard. So gym can be a thing that's hard. And for me, it, I think it's become a big part of it, but it's not even, you know, just find other, you'll just find things that are difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, a musician, great. You found something that is hard, that is good. You know, you've, you've focused on this for a longer time. You've gotten really, really, really good at it. I wish I, I branched off more from the physical side of it and focused so much on that to those kind of things like that too. Something that's hard. Hmm. I think that's just like, that's the most difficult thing for people to get into is like, you have to go and do something difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it's going to be difficult for a yeah. very long time. Yeah. It that's, doesn't really get easier because no. you, just, you just keep moving that yeah. goalpost. You just keep making it harder. So you yeah. just, I had numerous clients that would be like, does this ever get easier? I'm like, well, if I did the same session we did <laughs> 10 weeks ago, you'd laugh at me. And they then they looked at me and was like, Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah, it doesn't get any easier. It just the weights get heavier, and, and you push yourself a little bit harder. And you're yeah. the best part about that whole thing. It's just your 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 barrier, your what your perceived in, uh, intensity level keeps changing. So what you think you can do is what really is changing. Mm. So where you thought you could do this, you know, now you can do more. Now you can do more. You go in there. That's more important than any number I think you can lift on the barbell or whatever it is. It's the the mental fortitude. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's my philosophy. Interesting. Interesting. So well, what is something that both of you are doing to push your your fortitude? Oh man, that's a good question. I'm going to let Zach take that one. Yeah, I mean, physically nothing. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> but I mean, mentally, uh, I have been doing uh, fasting with nice. with uh, some of my coworkers. We've been doing the intermittent fasting. Oh, staying so, accountable. I like it. Yeah, yeah. So we've been doing, you know, 16 hours fasting, eight hours eating. So everybody stops consuming calories at 8 p.m. And then we continue eating calories at uh, uh, 12 p.m. at noon. We all take lunch same is that the bare minimum of what you guys do like do you have any discussion on like the type of food you're consuming not really um i mean i i've done this in the past and had pretty good luck with it Mm. uh i used to be close to 300 pounds i think at my heaviest i was 289 Mm. was the heaviest i ever got um and did intermittent fasting pretty consistently for a good long while, a few months. Dropped down to like 230, 240, somewhere in there. So I had good results with it in the past, and everybody that we're doing it with right now is seeming to have good results. Like, nobody's really stepping on the scale, but, like, you can see it. Yeah. Like, you can, you can 100% What's see it. something you learned from, you know, foregoing food? You know, instead of always focusing on oh i'll eat breakfast and lunch and dinner but now you've you know realized oh i don't need this and you could probably go a lot longer if you you know chose to or wanted to yeah and i have yeah for sure like i've had days where i have one meal basically and i i think the thing the big thing for me has been thinking about what i'm putting into my body like i'm going to have like let's say hard day at work i want to have a beer well that's going to fill me up 
but it's not going to sustain me. Like it's going to take up space in my body, but it's not going to fuel me at all. And then I was thinking, well, you know, normally if I'm not doing this fasting thing, the last thing that I put into my body, yeah, probably going to be a beer. <laughs> yeah. And it's not going to do anything for me. Yeah. So yeah, it, it just kind of, it's helped me think about food and this was true back then as well. It helps me think more about food as fuel rather than, you know, enjoyment, which it can be as well, but you know, I enjoy it. I also enjoy it. And that's kind of the nice thing about fasting is, I mean, it helps if you're eating healthier food, but you don't necessarily have to. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're thinking about your food as fuel. So as a byproduct, you probably will choose healthier foods, but. Do you think, uh, I I personally realize for myself think bad food choices are mostly at the, you know, it's mostly habits I've built up over my life. Yeah. You know, it's not, I, you know, even after I eat, uh, you know, something, a bad meal or something like that, or, you know, something that's not, you know, we've, you know, we all know what's not the, the best choice. You're not happy with yourself afterwards. No. <laughs> you know, you're almost yeah. the opposite, but you keep doing it. There's something to do with that habit. So it's like breaking that habit of like, why do I have to do this? When I feel like this, why do I have to eat these while I'm watching a movie or something like that? But it's just, it was enjoyable this one time and it's easy to just keep doing that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I think that's like the biggest thing with any self-improvement is setting slash breaking the habits. I really like the, uh, I think there's different people that use it, but more or less if your cup is full of bad habits, you know, people are always so focused on throwing, you know, new things at yourself. Oh, I'm going to throw mm. this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Well, if you're already, you know, full with all these bad ones, you probably get more from emptying out that cup a little bit huh. than you would from adding more to it. That's interesting. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Cause if you, if you're full and then you throw something good on top, it just falls uh, off. Exactly. Yeah. You need, it's like one step at a time, take that, you know, empty that cup a little bit. Uh, I think Goggins used an analogy of the garage. Mm-hmm. You know, your garage is full of all this junk and this garbage and everything there. You know, you can't do anything in there. But you, you know, start organizing, compartmentalize it a bit, and then you have some space. You can do this with it. You can do this. But you first have to do the unpleasantry thing of, the unpleasant thing of cleaning. Yeah. But what does that look like? Uh, like do you do you start with your eating habits do you start with your do you, i mean what's the worst one to break your mental habits what is it everyone's going to be probably have a combination of all of those yeah for myself mental habits definitely food habits probably secondary mm-hmm. would be uh recently i've made the switch in eating on a health level I measured my blood pressure at like 195 over. That's very high. That's high. I know. (laughs) I'm aware. (laughs) So I've been eating. I've lived under this umbrella where, you know, everything's fine, you know, in moderation. As long as your calorie consumption was more or less fine. Hmm. So as long as I kept my calories in control, I could eat whatever I wanted. You know, I'd bring in a decent amount of protein, but... If I wanted to consume an over amount of diet drinks, 
go for it. If I want to have artificial sweeteners on everything and to keep my calories low, so be it. You know, disregard all more or less natural food choices for the prospect of lower calorie consumption foods. Uh, and even just if I wanted this sugary food, I take my calories lower elsewhere and eat the fruity pebbles. Mm. Do they still make fruity pebbles? Oh, they're amazing. <laughs> I didn't know they still made those. Yeah, they're so good. I've This is where I made the switch of, for health. It's like, well, just because you can do something doesn't mean I should do something. Right. 195 is a blood pressure that I should never hit. You know, it's a range, sure, but it should never be as high as that. You know, they say 140 is hypertensive. 120 over 80 is the, the recommended. Regardless if you want to subscribe that you need to be within there, it's pretty much without debate that it should never be 195. Mm -hmm. I actually was measuring it myself, and it could have probably gone higher, but I was like, that's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stop there. I could still hear it when I'm ceasing the... That's not a number that you want to push. <laughs> uh, it's like, well, you're just like, you know, compressing, I'm squeezing the cuff, and it's like, I still hear the beep, I, you know, or I can still hear the pulse at 195. It's getting faint, so it's like, I could have pumped it to a bit more, and it maybe would have gone away, but it's like, it's high. Mm-hmm. So, I've pretty much just tried to cut out all processed food. So it's just because you can eat those things. That's my my new philosophy. Doesn't mean I should. That makes it easier. But what is processed? I mean, is that <clears throat> like you know, does it come in a plastic package? Is it you know more than ten ingredients? What does that mean? All of those would probably fit. So it's pretty simple to know what isn't an a pro, an unprocessed food is fruit processed. You know, if I grab this apple, is that processed? Right. This pear, this mango, this banana, this steak, this ground beef. You know, simplest, you know, basic forms of food. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, let's go into this. I have a real problem with the Beyond Meat burgers. Join the club, man. I cannot imagine a worse trade-off than this ground beef patty that's, you know, relatively... You know, you could make the comparison. It's like, okay, it's a bit high in fat. You know, it's got some saturated fat. Uh, it's got a good amount of protein. Very tasty. A lot of nutrients. A lot of iron. A lot of, lot of things for you. This Beyond Meat that's now 17 ingredients with a high amount of fat, which mostly comes from canola oil and all these other things, and the, roughly the same amount of fat content, if not even a little higher. Mm. What what what's a worse you know? How is that a good trade off? Yeah, you know, and I feel like I'm not the only one. You go into the store and they're practically giving this stuff away. It's every time <laughs> it's on sale. It's like people aren't buying this stuff. They're not buying this garbage. Yeah. Yeah, I have that argument with a lot of those types of foods. You know, the the alternative milks, the <clears throat> the is it which one is the Impossible Burger? Is that what do you mean? Which one? Because you've got the Beyond yeah. and the Impossible. What's the yeah. difference? I think the, the branding yeah. is it brand okay? Because I know one is more pea protein and okay. the other one is more. But it, it just I agree with you for sure because the less processed the better, and not to say that the hamburger patty isn't processed, but less. But, yeah, the one the thing that gets me the most is that you're trying to make this facsimile of a natural product, yeah. right? You want it to feel like a hamburger patty. You want it to look like a hamburger patty. 
they put heme in there so that it it bleeds like a yeah. like a like a steak, right? It's I don't like I'm all for vegetarian alternatives. Yes. Like if you want a a mushroom burger, I'm all for that. I mm-hmm. love those. But I don't see the logic in having those beyond patties instead. When you would rather have the meat, you just feel guilty about yeah. eating it. Yeah. And I think we're doing you're I personally believe I'm doing more harm to my body with that. Yeah. I think I'd rather, you know, they, there's a lot of people say, oh, meat's bad for you. Mm-hmm. And they're right some of the time. My, since doing this, my blood pressure is now averaging about 127. So mm-hmm. it's still on the higher end. It's like my systolic much, but it's much better. You know, granted, I'd worked out that day. I'd been drinking coffee all day. I'd eaten when it measured 195. Mm-hmm. But it should never be that yeah um and loading myself full of you know artificial sweeteners and stuff like that are they as bad as they say they are so that's the like aspartame and they're they're if you listen to the science on it they kind of say in moderation it's fine you know there's nothing that points to the on the studies that say that this is you know going to kill you or anything like that Mm -hmm. and that's probably true but just because i you know is that does that mean it's good for me should I be drinking, you know, this daily and, you know, especially in my say, situation, three of them a day or so, mm-hmm. every day? Then that also you know, comes back to our earlier conversation of why am I doing that? You know, why not impart some level of mental toughness to myself and withstand and yeah. say, you don't need this? Yeah, that voluntary toughness, that yeah. voluntary suffering. Yeah, it's like, because yeah. you can have this doesn't mean I should. Drink the bloody water. <laughs> what was what was the stats that we looked up on those sweeteners a while back? That it takes <clears throat> they're not that bad for you, but it takes like a like ten times longer for you to feel full. Or what was it? Yeah, I'm not sure. I know that I've looked into it because of the fasting thing. Okay. Because uh, a large part of my caffeine intake. But I'm a huge caffeine junkie, and a large part of my caffeine intake was always energy drinks. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, part of the key was switching from you know the regular energy drinks to the sugar-free ones. Yeah. So I was curious about it because they have virtually no calories. You know, maybe ten. Um. So can you go from something like that? Because they recommend black coffee for intermittent fasting. Say black coffee is that should be what it is. But I was like, well, what about a sugar-free energy drink? Because there's virtually no calories. During a fasting window, you are allowed 50 calories, even though it's nearly impossible to only have 50 calories if you're eating or anything. So a sugar-free drink won't spike your insulin response enough to break your fast. Mm. It won't uh, like reset the ketosis clock or whatever. But it is enough to make you feel hungry. Because it's yeah. it's like a it's more of a brain chemistry thing. It's something sweet is being put into the body, which means that I need more yeah. sooner. That that's very similar to what I read about it too. Is more or less people that there's two people that can kind of drink them. There's the fit people that you know are pretty much drinking them because they need to you know <laughs> substantial you know just quench whatever and they can't drink anything else. So they'll yeah. just down these things like crazy and they're, you know, usually strict on their calorie consumption. Then there's the people that'll, you know, 
go to Five Guys and get the burger and fries and get the Diet Coke. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they're overly consuming those things there. So uh, the literature on this is actually kind of, you know, back and forth because it's like some says, oh, people that drink them are, you know, healthier and they lose more weight. But then there's also research that shows people that drink them will actually eat more sugar and it seems to lead to exactly that, that it pretty much... Um, activates those same sensors, the receptor, you know, receptors in the brain uh, that sugar would do, but you're right. not actually getting that insulin yeah. spike that you want. So you're actually craving it. So it's set it off for sugar that you didn't actually give yourself. And then you just keep craving it. Right. And you can only, you know, put that off for so long unless you have a really high, you know, withholding power to, to say no. You know, yeah. Eventually you can, you're going to give in. Yeah, because sweetness, mostly from sugar, gives you a dopamine hit. Yeah. And when you have a sugar-free drink, that's, mm. you know, aspartame, I think is 6,000 times sweeter in the same volume that's what than it sugar. Was. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. you're thinking of, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, they're not putting that much aspartame into a, you know, sugar, like a Diet Coke, for but example. But the concentration is just ridiculous. Yeah, and it's it's tricking your brain into thinking that it's getting sugar, and it's not helping you curb yeah. that side of the addiction. Mm. Like, it's not helping your brain... Say I don't need sugar anymore, which is what you're trying to do with with a diet drink. So I think pretty much the kind of other thing I've been saying is you can do you can have that you know and you could do that and you'd probably be okay, but I'm starting to lean more to the fact of well, let's focus more on that habit. You know why am I doing this? Right. You know, why am I, you know, let's break that habit. Why do I have to do this all the time? Why don't I pull myself back from it a little bit? Hold out, you know, do other things, you know, have that conversation with yourself. Eh, You might be abusing this. I can hide behind that, that statement of, well, this study showed, you know, anything under three a day doesn't seem to be harmful. It's like, (laughs) so I could do this, but why should I? Right. Be better. It'd be tough on yourself. Yeah. Why are you bothering? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know, you're tougher than that. Interesting. Yeah. I, you just wrote something down. So if you want to launch no, it. No, it's a very else. random thought that I Okay. Had. Then I'm going to go if that's all right with yeah, you. Yeah, that's fine. Permission granted? Go for it. Okay. Uh, I'm curious because I, and it could just be, you know, algorithms and whatever, but I seem to be noticing a lot more fitness people on the internet. Um, not just generally, a, a very specific category of them. Okay. Who, they're almost like the anti-fitness personality personality. Where, so there's the fitness personality type of person who is, you know, you see these videos of people going through the grocery store picking up orange juice and, or Diet Coke. We'll just use that sure, example. I do that too. And like, this is bad for you for this, 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 and this reason. Oh, that And guy. then there's, but then there's the anti-fitness personality personality people who are like shut up, you know, you're making a decision that's better, you know, Diet Coke is better than Coke, so if you want to have the Diet Coke, have the Diet Coke, Mm. or, you know, just examples like that, I also think, you know, in the same vein, um, there's the smoking cigarettes versus vaping, where, sure, vaping's better for you, There's, there's not really any denying that, you know, cigarettes are carcinogenic, if you need nicotine, this is a better option doesn't mean it's good for you so what do you think of that kind of balance? i think that is perfect i think that is exactly <laughs> right like you just 
That is exactly my feelings. So if the vaping one, it's like, yeah, if vaping is going to stop you from smoking, by all means. But hopefully it gets to the point where you, I had a friend that pretty much quit smoking by vaping. So he started with um, a high level of nicotine and just got the dosages down, down, down to the point where he wasn't having any nicotine in it at all. And it was just the habit. Yeah. And eventually he had that conversation with himself where he's like, what am I doing? You know, like this is nothing. Yeah. And he just was done with it. And he quit smoking. He hasn't smoked in 10 years now. He still has some vapes here and there that he kind of goes through, but he pretty much, you know, defeated a pretty long cigarette addiction with that. You know, that was a really positive use for the, uh, for the vape that really came down to his brain power. The ones I don't understand is people that smoke cigarettes and then they go inside and smoke a vape just because they can't withstand two seconds without a right. hit. Mm-hmm. And you're just, what are you doing? You're just feeding yourself death. You know, yeah. you're just feeding yourself this thing either way. You, you can't get enough of it. You know, why are we so hyper fixated on this feeling all the time? You know, why, when did we get to this point in our, 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 our was it our, our neurochemistry that we have to, to feed this fix? We gotta fill our pump ourselves full of caffeine, nicotine, and and sugar and McDonald's every ten minutes. If we're not doing something, we're not fulfilled. Yeah. Why aren't we doing something better with our day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, those are the things I think. I'm not always, you know, this is just I wish, you know, I want to, you know, and I I, I recognize these things and I try to make, you know make sure I'm not feeding into them all the time, but I still do. And yeah. They're, they're always there, but it's just, I recognize, and I think what's a way I can limit these things as much as possible. Are you a big caffeine person? Huge. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Black coffee is the, the greatest thing ever invented. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I can drink coffee from the moment I get up to the moment I go to bed and it's just only, only positives. Yeah. Do you ever, did you ever have like issues sleeping off of caffeine? Off of caffeine? Or Or like, uh, with caffeine in your system, do you have sleeping issues? The only time was when I got desensitized to it. So if I didn't drink Uh it for a few months, I became very desensitized. Then it was just, I became like a hyper responder to it again. And uh, it was mostly I went traveling, didn't drink it, was traveling, came back, pretty much jumped on the same protocol of what I was doing prior. You know, go to university, drink five cups of coffee a day, and then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, why can't I sleep? Exactly. <laughs> but I desensitize myself, and that's, you know, another thing. Is that good? Should I be, you know, that, you know, rely? I'm not, I wouldn't say relying. Like, I can drink it or not drink it. It's fine. I just, I enjoy the taste. I enjoy everything about it, but. It's wild how hard caffeine hits you, actually. Because if you're not used to it, if you're not used to it, because yeah. I don't drink, I don't intake caffeine at all. Okay. But whenever I do have a cup of coffee or a whatever, what else does caffeine, what is it? what's caffeine in? Coke. Yeah. Eh, yeah. Coca-Cola. Like a good amount sometimes. of soda. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't drink Coke. It's, oh. <laughs> Gives me the willies. Okay. It, oh, it's so scary, man. Like. When you it put that in your mouth and you feel it on your teeth, I do hate drinking Coca Cola oh. for that reason. Yeah, like or I don't that, understand that, that bubble pop kind of thing. Not that it's after you swallow it and then if you like kind of grind your teeth get mm. together a little bit and they're yeah. like squeaky. Mm. Yeah, okay. like if you look at the diagrams of like the can of Coke and then 
the like the, the, the amount, amount of sugar, sugar that's in it. Yeah. Oh, I I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, I once heard, and I don't know if it's true, but I don't care because it's made my life better. Um, that a gram of sugar. So if you look on the nutrition facts, a gram of sugar is a sugar cube. So, if you think, like, you look at the back of a can of Coke, it's like 23 grams of yeah. sugar. Yeah. Think about eating 23 sugar cubes. It might be five grams. One sugar might, cube be. might be. Five I'm going to keep believing that it's yeah. one gram. Either way, it's, you know, you're <laughs> it's not just going to be popping back sugar no. cubes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to eat five sugar cubes. No. But that's why yeah. process, processed food is so dangerous. Because... Yeah. You don't think about what's in it. Yeah, it's yeah. E- even, you could even argue the same thing with, you know, fruit juice, right? If you drink a gallon, okay, that's a lot. If you drink like four glasses of orange juice, that's like a concentrated amount of oranges. Yeah, and but, sugar. And sugar. You're taking out the fiber yeah. and you're just, it's pure but, sugar pretty much. You know, like, what it, I, don't know, I don't know what the math is, but you know, three or four glasses of orange juice is like 10 oranges. Yeah. Could you imagine eating 10 oranges? No. No. Why would you ever do that? But it's... I could easily... You know, the amount of times I've had like a glass of orange juice, that was good. I want another one. Right? Like that was even better. I want another one. (laughs) You know, and I'm not just using like the regular, like the short glass. No, no, no. This isn't like IHOP little kids glasses. Like a what are those? You know, Tropicana jugs. Yep. You know, are those? Yeah, I could go a gallon. About that, yeah. Uh, I could go through the whole gallon. That's about that's that's about a two day thing if I buy those. Oh yeah. It's just there's certain things. That are just not worth buying for me. That's and orange I'm juice is one of them. I was the same way because I I bought orange juice a few times, but it's you drink it, it's gone in no time. Now I just drink. What's the red it's stuff? called water? Yeah, no, I drink that <laughs> stuff too. I actually drink so much water, but I drink clamato. Okay. Just straight, but it's okay. salty. Yeah. It's and it's it's got a weird it's got a strange enough flavor that I enjoy, but. I didn't use to. But you're not going to drink a lot of it. No, you have yeah. one glass. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm sick of drinking Clamato. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I've never That's understood cool. people that drink Clamato because it's disgusting. <laughs> I, I felt the same way for years. Yeah. Years. Till I was 25. And then I started, got hooked on Caesars. Yeah. And then I'm like, uh, and then I just started drinking Clamato straight. I'm like, it's like a Caesar. I'll just pretend it's a Caesar. Hmm. I, don't, I don't actually like Caesars with alcohol in them either. You just drink them. <laughs> Virgin. Virgin Caesar. So Clamato. Yeah. <laughs> With like all the fun stuff thrown in. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, but my point is is that I like Clamato for the fact that I'm sick of it by the end of the glass. Yeah. That's that's a good... Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Because, you know, we have so many of these bliss foods, right? That you just eat and then they're scientifically designed that when you're full... You keep eating them, like, you know, chips and popcorn and all these things that they want you to keep eating them after you're full because it feels good going in your system. And it's one of those things where it's when you crack open a bag of those, oh, it's cheesies or chips oh, or something. Yeah. It just like feels weird hugs. to put them away. You know, it's like you get to the point, you know, I, this is usually a common occurrence is I eat half the bag and you're like, I'm pretty full there. And then somehow you keep eating and then it's like three quarters of the bag or maybe even in the first quarter bag. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, that's good. And then somehow you blink and then half okay, the bag yeah. plus is gone. And then you're looking at the last, you know, quarter, third of the bag and you're just like, well, 
that doesn't make any sense. Exactly. And you just eat the rest of it. I'm not going to put this away. And, you know, then I have a measly third of the bag to have to deal with tomorrow. That's no. just going to, you know, start the craving all over again. I'm going to have to go open another bag to finish it off. It's ridiculous. Just take the rest, sprinkle it on your ice cream, and be done with it. But, but at which point, at which point you've had how many calories? Like over a thousand for Probably, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like you're not full. That, that does nothing for you. Yeah. 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 But, and, and that to me is just purely habit. Yeah. That there, yeah, there's nothing about that is, um, yeah. What reason do we, do we have to sit down and eat an entire bag of, of chips? You'd have too much time on your hands. Exactly. You've, you've done it before in your past and you liked that dopamine rush that it gave you. So you continue to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. So I, I kind of want to circle back just sure. to the caffeine thing. So in the interest of, you know, you don't want to, you're thinking more about the purpose of the things that you're putting into your body. So I guess my question is twofold. One, what is the purpose of caffeine for you? And two, have you ever thought about letting it go? Like, do you think that it adds too much value to let it go? Or I guess it would be a risk to reward. So right. to me... I just like it. Like there's nothing and there's no person. I don't have any of the negative effects of it. Hmm. There seems to be certain people that it doesn't agree with. Uh, I read a pretty interesting thing. It was, uh, this course, precision nutrition, and they broke down that there's a specific genotype and they don't produce the caffeinase enzyme. Kappa what now? <laughs> All enzymes end with A's. Mm. So caffeine A's. Not an enzyme, but okay. <laughs> so what it is, is it's the enzyme that breaks down caffeine in the body. Mm. So it doesn't, they relatively don't produce this, this enzyme. So caffeine has a very long standing effect on the body. So it continually circulates and just keeps on going through these receptors, binding, 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 and never really breaks down. These are the people we see that, you know, they drink a cup of coffee and they get kind of twitchy, their eyes twitch, they get really, really jittery, and they're super hypersensitive to it. This is the really confusing part about literature. There's some literature that says caffeine is the most amazing thing. People that drink two pots of coffee a day are going to live longer than everybody else. You know, you're expected to live 10 years longer if you drink over three cups of coffee. Really? Then there's other, you know, research that says any bit of coffee is dangerous to you. Okay. I don't know their exact reason. I personally believe there's just, you know, the met uh, the breakdown of um, of their data at the time. Some people, you know, fit within certain categories. There's some people that probably shouldn't really consume caffeine. And you probably know who you are if you're there. Well, and they're probably looking at certain metrics, right? Yeah. Like, you know, caffeine will increase productivity, which might have, you know, some other impact on your life. Whereas, you know, it does raise your heart rate, which can affect... Mm -hmm. yeah. You know your longevity as a person and if it's something you know like the the best way i think i could look at it is if you're one of those people that has to have that mug that says don't talk to me before i have my coffee in the morning oh. you know and that's you and you embody that there might be a problem mm -hmm. yeah if you can go you know a day without coffee or you know a number of days without coffee without really thinking about it you're just living your life and coffee isn't really available and you just kind of keep going that's how I feel. You know, I can easily go a number of days without coffee, which is whatever. Uh, I don't get those headaches that people talk about. It's like, oh, man, I got a split headache, but yeah, I don't get my cup of coffee. 
I don't know what that's like. I seem Lucky. to have a very unique brain where I think I'm just too stupid to, <laughs> to recognize the uh, the different things my body's telling me. You know, I've had people tell me it's like, oh, I can feel my my heart rate when I do certain things a certain way. It's like feel your heart rate, like just without taking your pulse, you just sitting there, just in tune with your the beat of your chest. <laughs> that's like, cool, right? I just I don't know. My body just I don't know what it. Whatever my body's trying to tell my brain and vice versa, they're not receiving those signals. <laughs> Interesting. But do you, th- okay, but do you think that that is just, whatever the reasoning is, whether it's genetic or what have you, like some people are going to have these adverse reactions to whatever it is. Was that a sure. question? Not really. No, it wasn't. Like is it just coffee or are we talking about anything? I guess anything in general. It's kind but, of open-ended. Um... <sighs> So you don't have, uh, caffeine doesn't affect you in the same way that it affects other people. So it's not a, a trigger, I guess. Is that the right word? Trigger? Yeah. Sure. If you're, if I, if you're saying what I think you're saying, then yes. Yeah. So it's not a trigger for you. So you don't have to worry about it. No. So, I mean, basically what people have to do is figure out what their triggers are, right? Whether, Whether it becomes an addiction or not. Those are the things that you want to slice out of your life. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. It's if it, if it came to the point where I was reliant on it and I felt reliant on it, I would probably have a different perspective, and that very well could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I you know regularly go without it and don't think anything of it. You know, I don't have a specific protocol. As I have coffee at this time every day. You know, there's some days where I just don't feel like coffee. Most that's not most days, but there's just uh, yeah, if it's there and I want it, I'll drink it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if it, you're one of those people, it, you know, I think we, it's very important in our lives to do a uh, an inventory, an, an inventory yeah. of what you know, what you're what you're doing and why. Mm-hmm. You know, and then break that down. It's like, is this really something I need to be doing? Is this hurting me or is this helping me? And tell yourself really quickly I think it's pretty easy of what you know the things that are hurting us are pretty uh if you actually pay attention to them I think they're pretty clear yeah like this sneaky thing like oh if only I got rid of this one thing in my life everything would blossom exactly you know but if only I knew what it was was. (laughs) uh yeah I feel yeah I get what you're saying like similar to what Zach was saying about fasting like when I, I just went to the extreme, like, a couple weeks ago, I just didn't eat for five days. Beautiful. It was, and it was really freeing for, like, four days, and then it got kind of weird on <laughs> the fifth day. Did you choose right from the start, you weren't getting for five days? Did it sort no, of I didn't, I way? left it open-ended. Okay, so you weren't getting yeah. for a little while, and you just... So I just said, yeah, I'm sick of eating, you know, I didn't like my relationship with food at the time, so I just said, okay, you know, starting today, I'm just gonna not eat, and then... When I feel off or I feel like I need fuel or something or food, I'll start eating. And that took you five days? Yeah, almost five days, yeah. That's very impressive. Yeah. It was, because I've always been that person that, like, like you said, the, you know, the, the coffee, you know, don't talk to me before my coffee or whatever. Like, I was never like that with hunger. Like, if I, w- if I hadn't eaten for, you know, all day, I didn't. I wasn't angry, you know, I didn't get upset or whatever it is. Um, I could handle it very well. 
So I'm like, okay, well, let's push it and see what happens. You know, how far can I go before I get hangry, yeah. quote unquote, right? Turns out, not at all. You know, I'm what like, about like the, you know, was there like a, the two day mark where you're just, you know, because you're into it, but you're not really that far into it. So you're just kind of like, oh, well, I could, you know. Yeah, you could quit. Yeah. And you're kind of thinking that, you know, did you have that or? A little bit, a okay. little bit. I honestly, very quickly, you're. My, well, personally, my relationship with food changed. So I, instead of, because before that, previously, like for a long time, I just look at food and I just eat it. Yeah. Because like, oh, it's there. It's available. I'm. I have to eat. Reasonably hungry. <laughs> I'll eat it. You know, it doesn't, didn't really matter what it was. Because, I mean, I just, I'm in a, an environment where there's just a lot of food a lot of the time. And I was always raised that, hey, if you don't eat it, it's kind of a waste. So I'm like, okay, well, this is interesting. So, but as soon as your brain kind of like flicks that switch, and I'm sure it's different with everyone, but I flick that switch and I'm like, oh, I'm not putting anything in the body. So as soon as I look at that food and I think, oh, I'm not eating it because I can't. Okay. So I can't eat until whatever day I set, well, I didn't set a day, but I'm like, I don't need it. And I'm going to see how far I can go until I do. Yeah. That's... Yeah. It was very interesting. When you say that things got weird on day five, what, what, uh, <sighs> what made you eat again? And what did you eat? Making a, what was the first a, thing a you ate? Beard, you know, just... Yeah. So essentially on like the fourth day, I, like there was a few times where I get a lot, I got a little bit shaky. Yeah. Like I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could lift as much as I usually do. Cause I was still working. Yeah. Like I was still doing a, a generally strenuous job for at least a few hours of the day. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, I didn't take it easy on myself at all. I actually probably did more work than I usually do. So I'm like, okay, this, nah, I'm probably burning a lot of calories. So, on, like, the fourth day, I got kind of, like, kind of shaky a little bit. Um, and then the fifth day, I woke up, and I, my body felt like it was kind of eating itself. <laughs> like, I, it, there was, like, a burning in, in my mm. muscles and my, in, in my There's arms There's a specific feeling when you're yeah. consistently hungry. I know the feeling. It's, it's interesting. So, I kind of interpreted that as, oh, my body is, like, starting to break down things that it probably shouldn't be breaking down so i'm like okay well maybe i'll just start eating again yeah okay yeah what'd you eat yeah. uh soup yeah like Smart. a lot of like salty like i had yeah. pea soup i had a couple bowls of soup and i was like pea soup and like a corn chowder and hmm. like carbs and yeah so what was your any other than just the you know trying to change your relationship with food was that sort was sort of like the, the health benefits that you were trying to get into, the ketosis benefits? Yeah, I was I was curious because everyone keeps talking about this fasting stuff. I'm like, okay, well, I'll try, uh, maybe I'll try this intermittent stuff. But it didn't really, like, it didn't really set in for me. Like, I tried intermittent a few times and I thought, okay, you know, I, I wouldn't eat till, like, lunchtime or I wouldn't eat till you know, dinner. I found that actually eating lunch worked best for me. Like I would just wait till lunch and then not eat anything after that, okay. which was weird. 
but I did that basically after I fasted for five days. I only had lunch for like the next week or so. And that was interesting. And now I'm kind of back to what I was before. But it's a little bit better. So it's definitely short-lived. But anyways, what was the question? Oh, yeah. So, I, yeah, I was, I was curious to the health benefits. You know, would I feel something different? Would I mentally, would I have more, you know, mental acuity? Would I be feel more lethargic, more sluggish? I was just curious to see what would happen. Did you feel the ketosis rush at any point? You know, because you're pretty much going against what physiology kind of tells you. Your right. brain runs on sugar. It can only, I can get into that, but it can only mm-hmm. run on sugar and ketones. Is that true? It's true. Okay. So there was actually, this all started back in the 60s when we can do studies that we can't do now. This science oh, yeah. pretty <laughs> much decided, like, you know, our literature at the time told us if you don't eat, mm-hmm. you'll die from, you know, going brain dead. You know, because you can only, um, our body can use everything. You right. know, your body can pretty much turn everything to glucose for energy. It can turn fat there. It can turn protein there. It can do everything. Mm-hmm. The one thing it can't do is pretty much your brain can't, you know, process. It can only use glucose. So if you're not giving, eventually, if you run out of it, which we only, yeah. It's hard to say. The more active you are, the less, you know, it's not going to last very long mm-hmm. if you're not putting it into your body. So the premise, I think, was something about nine days. You know, these people should start to go brain dead from not having, you know, we keep them doing these certain activities to keep their activity levels up and burning through. So it's pretty much burns through all this energy and burn through all of their carbohydrates. And then what they discovered was ketones and their, their massive levels of ketones spiked, you know, throughout the less than, you know, as the time went on that they didn't eat. Mm -hmm. So that's what ketones are is it's pretty much brain for the fuel when glucose isn't there. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people that pitch, you know, fasting and everything like this kind of say that it's a pure form of brain energy. So you'll feel better. You'll feel clear. You're, you're, you're yeah. operating on another level. That's what I was kind of wanted to get to. Did you notice that at all? Because in Not five really. days, you should be, you know, you could actually do a... You, know, you should have superpowers, actually. I was hoping. <laughs> I was hoping I would get, like, these rushes of energy, you, you or I would have mental acuity, or You didn't something. become Jumper? You weren't hating Christians in that? <laughs> no. I wish. So next time, if you do it, even after three days, and the more activity you do, so, like, when you said that you were working in the field mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Doing yeah, I was doing a lot of, like, shoveling and That should and... drastic, because now you're burning through your energy stores quicker. Really? The more you do that. So that should push you into ketosis sooner. Okay. Like, if you just sit on the couch for five days, yeah, that's it's going to take you a long time to, you know, burn through this stuff because you're just not, you know, it's just way... Your body's not using energy. It, it, yeah. It's using fat. You yeah. know, it's just using the stored fat anyways, which is doing all the time. But, you know, the more... So, pretty much fat is your baseline fuel when we're just sitting here doing nothing. We're burning fat. Right. The more activity you do, if we use my example earlier of sprinting, we're using all different energy fields all the way up on that spectrum. You know, so then we're going to use our glycogen for a while, and then we're and then that's going to run out. And if we go really, really fast for a very short period of time, that's creatine, our fossil creatine storage that we're using. And that's in the energy drinks. Nope. Creatine isn't. Nope. Oh, I thought it was in those. That's if you're going like, not typically you know, really, really fast. So if I'm going to run for ten seconds, it's a quick burst, the highest form of energy breakdown conversion that you can pretty much get, but it only lasts a very short period of time, and it takes a while to replenish. Okay. So then you go on carbohydrates glycogen storage which is pretty good you know it's 
breaks down pretty quick. It does so in the absence of oxygen. So you can work really hard, mm. but then you run out of that, you know, sprinting for a couple of minutes. You're pretty much, you know, going to have such a high level of lactate in your body and your muscle buildup that it's going to start to deteriorate your ability to neural output. You know, it starts mm. to block the neural receptors. Uh, hydrogen items, uh, atoms start to come in to, you know, clear out all that lactate. And that's is that what lactic acid is? Lactic acid. Okay, because that's terrible for you, right? It's not terrible. It's just a buildup. It's a byproduct of working hard in the presence of no oxygen. Mm. Um, so it's just the conversion is pretty much offset in a way where you're working too hard, but not enough of it. Be, the byproduct is being cleared from the muscle. Mm. So it pretty much builds up in the muscle that's working really hard because uh, it's doing so in the process of no oxygen. It's that uh, glycogen that's breaking down for energy. Uh, so then it'll start to interrupt the neural pathways. You won't be able to output as quickly. You're going to start to get wobbly and stuff like that. If you're, you know, depending on what movement you're doing, if you're, you know, lifting weights and you do it there, uh, that just that ability to output anymore will kind of disappear. Uh, you need to take a break, and just as soon as you get some oxygen in the muscle, you're kind of like, oh, and it kind of clears away a little bit. And the longer you get to rest, the the more you kind of replenish it all over again. Interesting, but. Um, so that's the premise behind, you know, fasting is there you're burning through all of those glycogen storage. We hold, you know, somewhere about 500 grams of glycogen in our muscles and our liver. Okay. Sort of so you're, you know, burning through all of that when you're not eating. And, the more and that's activity, like 500 sugar cubes. Sure. Well, <laughs> I think they're five grams. So like a hundred, maybe. A hundred sugar cubes. Something like that. In your liver. The more muscles you have, the the more the more storage you'll have potentially but just if we set on average somewhere about 500 grams okay you got enough to do some activity and if you're gonna you know consistently use that you know use that carbohydrate and use those glycogen stores you probably want to replace it mm -hmm. uh, unless you are going you know on a ketosis diet and you're saying screw it i'm gonna use my body's you know stored fuel for as long as i possibly can mm -hmm. which i'm not certain it's a good idea you know to me it seems like it's our um our reserve system you know is using that okay you know, to use the ketosis method I feel yeah like it's like more, the fight or flight almost. a little bit yeah. to be clear are you talking about like the keto diet uh, or are you talking keto about fasting too. as well keto, especially keto actually yeah. yeah the ketosis diet it's because that's pretty much what you're running on is yeah. you know the ketones i feel like that's a you know, the that's your body's um, last resort, you know, mechanism of yeah. survival is that, you know, for, for general health and well-being, you're probably good. You know, that's probably good. And probably for endurance athletes, you know, why not? They're yeah. going to be, you know, they're going to flourish with an abundance of fat molecules. But people that are, you know, going to the gym or something like that and want to lift weights or build some muscle, um, do any kind of performance activity that involves quite a high exertion. You know, where you typically would use carbohydrates for it, but you just don't have that. I don't know if that's a good a good use of it. I feel like the big issue for me, like think like going over this idea is that somebody's going to use is going to go into their this ketotic state and it's your body's, like you said, last resort, but then they just stop. So, 
What do you mean they just stop? Like, they so stop doing if you do diet. just stop fasting or you stop doing mm-hmm. a diet. So, okay, you know, I'm going to fast for, you know, a couple of days and then I'm going to go back to normal. And then next month I'm going to fast again or whatever it is. It's that, like, you're putting your body into a survival mode and then pulling it out yeah. again. That doesn't seem healthy. So the the fasting one I like more because I think the benefits of that fast are far outweigh, um, you know, that withdrawal that you're going to come out of it so you're going to fast ideally you do increase your ketones uh we also increase something called autophagy which is kind of your body's natural healing mechanism seem to Mm. increase uh that seems great and we you know we reset a lot of body processes we you know there's a lot of things then on top of all those things the mental benefit of you know being able to conquer Mm -hmm. not eating yeah is incredible that's what i fact that you're not you know, having to eat for five days, you know, when you go a day without eating or hours without eating, that's easy. You know, mm-hmm. you've, re- you similar to that concept earlier is that, that barrier, that, that block that you've set, that intensity level that you've kind of set for yourself is so much better than it ever used to be for you. You know, that you're, you've grown so much more from there. So that to me is a good use of it. Where ketosis, I'm not a fan of is, it is the only diet that you pretty much have to be a hundred percent on. Mm. Uh, every other diet is like, okay, you know, you're low carb, you know, you're an Atkins style diet, eat some carbs one day. Cool. Yeah. There's, <laughs> you no, know, there's no real benefit. A true ketosis diet. The, the literature on this is really different from people's, um, the, the people that you meet that do ketosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the literature seems to support, like, most people, like, a lot of times people do ketosis and they're, you know, two weeks and they're still not even in full ketosis yet. Really? Because you have to follow everything, like, everything. to the letter. It, like, yeah. if they're not everything, you know, they're not doing everything right, they, you know, too much protein without the fat to balance it can throw you out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the carb intake is, and then there's even certain carbs that seem to be, you know, you know, obviously complex ones are just too high a volume of carbohydrates. You know, you're not going to be able to eat any level of pasta is just the volume is too high. You yeah. Know, it's trace carbs in some vegetables is pretty much all you're capable of getting in. Yeah. Uh, people say, Oh, I reached ketosis in three days or two days. I can get into it one day. It's like, you have to be really on top of it and, you know, probably done it numerous times to be able to get into it that quickly, I think. So to me, that conversion point is really grueling for people to get into it. Because you're switching over your body's processes from carbohydrates to ketones. You know, so if you're doing any sort of, if you're just, you know, doing a boring, you know, nine to five desk job and you don't really have any physical activity, this is not, this doesn't matter. You know, you're, you're eating, you're eating food. That's fine. You got enough food there. Hmm. But if you're doing some, a lot of activity and you don't have the uh, requisite um, nutrient profile to fit your, your activity output, you're going to feel a little bit off. You're going to feel a really, you know, drained. So you're waiting for that ketone bump, you know, those ketones to rise up in the body, that glucose to disappear. Uh, so you're running completely low on carbs, none, you know, none at all pretty much, and you're waiting for those ketones to rise. During that period, you feel really crappy and really terrible. You finally hit that, and then you kind of bounce out. Your brain feels better. Things start to regulate themselves better. But then it's like, as soon as you mess up, oh, I want to go for wings and beer one night. That's mm. out. You know, you're not doing that with your friends. 
you know, have a glass of wine, there's like one type of wine that you can pretty much have and have like a small amount with. Is there keto wine? There's a specific wine that seems to, that you can have like a specific amount without really um, seeming knocking yourself out. But it's a very, you know. Yeah. And at that point, why? Exactly. And so it's just all these things can throw you out. So then, and you do that and you're back out and you got to do that all over again. You start over, yeah. You're just constantly in that, you know, state of feeling terrible. I think most people, you know, that I've met that talk about it are actually never really in ketosis. Yeah. Really? Yeah. But But they can still... Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. But they can still see health benefits from being on the diet. Well, any diet is good, especially if you're, you know, that's a really good one. We did a meta-analysis in 2015 and there was one consistent factor for losing weight. Hmm. Being on a diet. (laughs) They compared every single diet, keto, ketosis diet, low-carb diet... You know, every diet you could possibly imagine, and the only consistent factor was being on a diet. None performed better or worse than any other one, more or less, when they averaged them out. Just simply knowing I shouldn't eat that mm-hmm. is enough to lose weight. Yep. Being conscious. Of- as soon as people, you know, it is not hard to lose weight. People can lose weight very, very easily is as soon as you go off the diet because now you can eat that. Mm-hmm. It's very easy when there's all or none. If you're eating none... You know, you're eating on a diet and none of, nothing, none of this bad stuff is available because you're on the diet and you're not going to eat it. Well, it's, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's when you're off the diet and you allow just a little bit. Well, the hard part is where do you regulate? Is it 10%? Mm-hmm. How do you measure that? Is it 20% of your diet? How do you measure that? You know, what part of the diet of these kind of those foods that you're allowing take over and then those habits kick in again? That's what really kickstarts it. You know, it's like, okay... You know, I've been really, really good. I'll have this. Cool. You know, that's probably not a big deal. You know, if 10% of your, if 90% of your diet is, you know, good, healthy food, you know, with calorie in check, 10% of it is probably going to have a negligible output. Really hard to measure that if you're not keeping track of it. Right. That, you know, that's just going to, you know, increase. And then your friends want to go out and go to this place for dinner, that's going to throw it. Then, oh, sweetie, we're going to make this for dinner tonight or something like that. That throw it. And before you know it, it's, those become habits that you're doing on a regular basis. And you're no longer anywhere close to resembling 90% of the diet that you would, right. uh, we'll say 100% of the diet, you know, when you were on the diet completely. Even if you're, you know, on a diet and you're 90% adherent, that's pretty good. But when you go off of it, most diets resemble, you know, far less than half, you know, 50% of what it was. And that's mm-hmm. why it's so hard to maintain. Interesting. Maybe I should go on a diet. Well, that's why I've liked fasting yeah. so much is because it's so easy to just work into daily life. Yeah. Like the example you use, you know, your friends want to go for wings and beer. They text you 930 at night. Well, I'm outside of my eating window. Just shift your eating window. Yeah. You know, like... It's just been so easy to work it in, and I know it's good for me, so I'll just do it. Like It's just such an easy thing mm-hmm. to work in. It goes back to what you said of, you know, the best diet is the one that you're going to stick to. Mm-hmm. It's such an easy one to stick to. Now, that leads me to my next question. Is it the easy way out? Fasting? It's because it's so much easier to not do something uh, as opposed to do something difficult. I found a lot of people fasted for the simple reason of, well, I can't make good choices three times in a day, so I only got to make one. Uh, you know, it's really hard I to feel make seen. You know, three <laughs> choices. It's like, well, breakfast, I was good. Perfect. Lunch, I was good. Perfect. 
dinner. Oh, I really want pizza for dinner. Right. And I've already been good all day. Give and bring on the pizza. Whereas, so then you start thinking, well, I only got to eat once a day. Here's where people screw it up. They start making those little, which I've done this. Hmm. Uh, they start making the little adjustments to allow them to get what they want. Well, I haven't eaten 20 hours. You know, I can have whatever I want. I got, you know, 2,500 calories that I can eat in this, you know, this four hour window. Let's go nuts. Right. You know, and have whatever you want. I had a client that he's like, well, I intermittent fast. Okay, cool. What do you, what do you, oh, well, I, you know, I get off work. So he doesn't eat all day. Pretty physical job. And every day he would just go to a local establishment and stuff his face. It's like, mm. oh, this place has $2 tacos. I'm just going to go stuff up on tacos here. This place here has, you know, buy one, get one free pizzas on Wednesdays. So I go there for pizza. And you're just like, okay, you could probably keep your calorie consumption in check more or less because you're just eating in such a small window. Right. But you're just, instead of, you know, like I said, you're you're making, instead of making two good choices and one bad choice in a day, you're making one bad choice. <laughs> so that's that, to me, was not a good use of intermittent fasting. Okay. You know, that does that takes away the, the part of, you know, your you're owning your food intake. Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to fasting, I like to think of it as, uh, I don't want to do it for any longer than, you know, every time you, uh, every time you make that conscious decision to avoid a craving stacks up on itself. You know, if you're, you know, nine o'clock and you're already hungry and you're like, Oh no, you're at work and people bring in donuts and you're, Nope, I'm too good for that. I'm not doing that today. I'm not doing this. Well, that's, that stacks up, you know, yeah, it's like, oh, that's you're the thinking most about, valuable thing. you are thinking about that donut for the next couple of hours, but you've resisted, you're smart, you're, you're strong, mm -hmm. you know, noon comes along, you're whatever, your friends are like, let's go here for lunch. Okay. Let's go here for lunch. You know, you're, you, you're not, you know, let's go for a cup of coffee or whatever. You're going for break. They get a muffin or something like that. And this person gets a brownie with their, their caramel macchiato and you just have your, your black coffee or something mm -hmm. like that. Cool. You've done really well. Every time you do that, you off put that, that stacks up at the end of the day where you're just like, give me everything. <laughs> right. Give me the pantry. I can't, you know, withstand food and delay this any longer. That is not good. I don't think that's a good use of fasting. You know, I, I want to think of fasting is a period of time where you're not even thinking about food. It's cool. Mm -hmm. It's like you've got other things to do. You're busy doing these other things. When you're ready to eat, correct. Yeah. Oh, that's exactly how I felt when I was on my fast. Because as soon as I took the option of eating out, I had so much more time. Yeah. Like, I didn't have to spend time on meals. I was getting more work done. It was lovely. I didn't have, you know, my regular, you know, bowel movements. Yeah. I'm like, I don't have to, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't have to waste time going, worrying about that, right? I'm like, okay, I'll, usually I have to, I usually go in like the afternoon. Well, I don't have to worry about that because there's nothing in the system. Sure. Right? I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I don't have to eat three times a day plus snacks. So I can get, that's at least an hour, two hours of my day. Did you also find there was a intangible with it? I personally find there's a period that I can't really explain where I'm just, you know, working, hmm. working. And if I, you know, as soon as you impart food into it, it just sort of takes you out of the group. You're, yeah, it's a natural break. You exactly, and it does seem to slow down everything, and it sends those signals to our body to rest and digest, and yeah. you know, focus on that, and it just you know changes your whole. Um, I can't remember the neurochemistry on it, but more or less, your 
you're you're increasing you know most likely you're going to increase your serotonin which is sort of a relaxing mm-hmm. hormone or uh, neurotransmitter uh so it's gonna do some other things too so if you're feeling really you know agitated really jittery or something like that eating might not actually be a bad thing to kind of pull you down and, and level you out a little bit right but as far as you know some cases go for me it's just you know if i don't even think about food and i'm just working you're busy doing that food isn't mixed into it don't think about it and mm. just time goes by you look and you're just like oh my goodness that was amazing you yeah know, it's been four hours and i got all this done instead of just you know you're constantly thinking oh two more hours and i'm gonna i'm gonna go eat this in two hours yeah. and then it's uh, the expectation of the food that messes with your system i think so yeah well we say that all the time on the podcast is that it takes about an hour of the two-hour podcast to get to the good stuff. So, yeah, probably. well, it's it's very true. We're like we, you know, we kind of buzz around it for we kind of talk about whatever for like a half hour. But whatever that guest really wants to get to, it takes two hours to get there and to cover it the right way. Yeah. If we took a snack break halfway through, we'd do we, it all over again. We would have to start. We'd have to be here for four hours yeah. because it's a natural you get into this natural groove of conversation or whatever it is, whatever metaphor we're trying to make here. And it's having these breaks in between is just completely resets it. Yeah. I'm impressed you did five days. That's a, especially for not really setting a specific time frame. Like it's one thing to say, I'm going to do five days because you got that goal to sit, you know, to, to go with. Whereas when you do a, um, a temporary, you know, timeline, the timeline that you did, your psychology is plaguing you throughout that. You know, mm. it's like, well, I've already done three days. That's pretty good. Yeah. Bring on the food. You know, that's why that's four what days. I, I didn't push. think I was going to make it past three days. Yeah. That's good enough. That, that's you know, what I wanted to push. That was like, so. How so far you were can aware I take of it? that part of it. Yeah. Okay. So you did. So that's what you were. You were more so beating that than you were. Yes. Oh, but it was very. I good. found it was really easy though. Okay. It was very like. I mean, you've seen me in the ice bath. Like, oh yeah, I don't know what it is, but like, I just like took this. I'm like, okay, I'll I'll apply this the same mentality. Like, okay, I'm just gonna go as long as I can, and as soon as I feel something off or something I don't like, I'm just gonna quit. And yeah, you make it like five days. That's good. Ah, it was weird. So that answered. <laughs> that was uh, earlier. I had asked what's something that you're challenging yourself with, and that. Yeah. That's a very good one. That's. A I think I want to do another one pretty soon here. Like four or five days or something. I don't know. Do either of you watch uh, the what's his name? Chris Hemsworth Limitless series? Limitless series? Is that when he works out? <laughs> yeah. It was like a, it was kind of interesting. He does a different episode on a different challenge more or less. So he does one on um, he swam across like the Arctic. Oh, okay. Like 250 meters and try to swim across there. Uh, so nice cold. Uh, did another one where he fasted for three days. Okay. Um, did another one where he climbed up a, a big rope hanging from the... See, but that all sounds like doable. Oh, yeah. To the average person. Yeah. Well, he did, like, all of them were done in, you know, three days or something was the yeah. fasting one. You know, the uh, swimming one was more or less done in a in a few day period. I think mm-hmm. he did about two days prep and then went for the thing on his third day. The rope climb was, I think one of the longer training ones. Um, but that's, 
think a very interesting thing is like most people won't even think about doing those things and he just he had all these you know we have Peter and Tia that kind of walked mm. through a lot of it that was just a cool yeah cool show they kind of saw you know how quickly you can overcome a lot of things you know it's like I've done a lot of cold exposure but even the thought of and Let's even take that one step further. I've done a lot of cold exposure, and even my first number of them, I thought I handled a lot better than the first one that mm. Hemsworth did. You know, he went in and was just free, you know, more or less yeah. a lot more. I was just like, oh, yeah. You know, and I thought, oh. And the fact that within a matter of three days, he's already swimming is like, I don't even know if I'd attempt that now after yeah. a number of, um, you know, maybe if I had a great enough, you know, reason to do so, I'd give it a go, but... But that there's a difference between, you know, keeping your body stationary in an ice bath or a frozen lake, but then, like, okay, you have to move. That's you have way to, harder. You have to exercise. You have to push your body. There's <sighs> something which I've started to change recently. Okay. Is I would try to be still because that was easy. I thought I was being stoic. I thought I was being cool, yeah. calm. Yeah, I'm I mean, overcoming. You look very cool when right? you do it, right? And you, you know, but in reality, that was my way of with, um, of limiting the, 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 the situation around me. When you move mm. around, things change. The, 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 the cold creeps into different areas. It hits yes. differently. You're don't have the ability to just sort of hold still and keep your mind blank. You know, when you're moving, everything is changing. So you know, if you're actually going to do that and probably get the fullest out of it and actually challenge yourself, the more moving you do is better. Yeah. So being still and stoic is actually cheating. Well, that just ruins everything. I know. <laughs> well, you got to do the chicken dance down there. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, I got to do that then, too. I'm seeing a lot of people lately on, like, social media just, like, going ham on these, like, you know, polar bear swims, jumping in the lake and all that. I'm like, it's very popular now. Like, yes. more people than I've ever seen before doing it. So do you think it's a social media thing that they're part of this group? Or do you think that we're seeing this, um, you know, we're deprived of this pushing ourselves dopamine blast that people are getting from this and they're gravitating towards it? I think it's a bit, a bit of both, to be honest. But I think that more people every day are becoming more aware of the fake, not the fakeness, the, the, I don't know what, it, what's the word is, but the, the things that they're using to fuel themselves, getting that rush mm -hmm. are becoming more, uh, manufactured, right? People are being more aware that, that uh. it's a manufactured high. I think. And we're trying to avoid that. And, and we're trying to are... avoid that. So I think that a lot more people are trying to find a natural high, a natural energy boost, whatever it is. I think, in my opinion. But okay. I, I, I think that's me. Yeah. That's personally my... Because I think that if you get a taste of that, it's it, you don't want to go back, right? You know, whether it's caffeine or sugar or whatever, whatever it is, some other, you know, gambling, I don't care. But... If you can find a natural high, a natural energy, you know, being high on life, that's, you feel so much better. Uh, to me, it's the combination of that. So that 
natural, you know, elated feeling you feel to it. Hmm. But that is at the product, I think, of the accomplishment. Oh. You know, it's not just the fact that we've changed your neural chemistry, you know, for a period of time. Hmm. That's because you had to really, you know, there's something interesting about that whole experience. Waking up. Oh, I'm going to do a cold exposure today. Mm. I'm going to do this. I've got to drive out there and, you know, constantly think, you know, even though I've done it, you know, a number of times, you know what you're getting yourself into. You know, it's cold. You know, that initial, oh, you know, yeah. jolt when you get in there, it'd be so much easier not to do it, you know, for sure. Uh, but you still keep going back to it. Mm. But it's that, that at the end of it, you like, I, I, had 10 different periods throughout the day where I could have chosen not to do it mm. or I could have not, I could have jumped out earlier. I could have done all these things and not done it. And at the end of it, when you did it, that's the, that's the reason why it's, it's such a, a boost, a natural boost. Mm. Yeah, I guess that makes sense because it's the, the physicalness of it that gives you that weird energy that you can't really describe. But it's also the fact that you are pushing your mind and your body and you're knowing that you're doing that and you know that it's better for you because you're building your your mental strength, your mental capacity. It's <sighs> good stuff. Zach? Yes. Yeah, he agrees. It is good. <sighs> have you tried? I have not done it, no. I said to Russell at the beginning of this year that this was going to be the year that I'm going to do it. <laughs> it's, the, so, yeah. Yeah. it's the right time now, because everything's still cold. Oh, yeah? And maybe at the end of the year. It's cold then, too. Yeah. I say we go next to this weekend. <laughs> we can go on... We'll figure out a day. We will. We will. Okay, I had a question for you, though. Please. Almonds. <laughs> okay. I'm hearing a lot of stuff about almonds. A serving size is about seven almonds. Seven almonds. That's something about that. Okay, I, he I hear a lot of things about almonds, but I just listened to a few things about almonds yesterday. Basically, everyone says they're, like, a really good food source. They're really good for you, great for you, whatever it is. They're a superfood almost. But then they're terrible for the environment. Okay. Because they use an incredible amount of water to produce almonds. So are think? they good enough yes. to out like do you know how the, good almonds the are? The detriment of their Yeah. Um their 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 consumption and their 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 yeah, their growth ability. Uh it's the monounsaturated fat that people are are claiming is you know, that's what they predominantly Mono unsaturated fat. Yeah. So we have a few different fat types. Trans fat is the one that nobody needs. You don't. Uh, need we it. don't want that. One. Nobody needs trans fats. They're well, I heard milk. a thing about trans fats. Okay, trans fats. Is that the one that stays in your body? Yeah. Okay, I heard that was actually don't really. Fast. They they don't really serve any purpose, and they're pretty much all bad. Okay. So the other ones are a saturated fat, a monounsaturated fat, and a polyunsaturated fat. Which ones are avocados? Mono, I think, is pretty much. Okay. They're, 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 most fats are a combination of all, you know, all three more or less. Mm. There's just a, a higher emphasis. So most, uh, if it solidifies, it's usually more saturated. So beef mm. fat is more saturated. 
it congeals coconuts more saturated um let's see what's certain ones polyunsaturated yeah, i can't remember maybe maybe avocados are higher on poly uh, but more or less a lot of people claim oh this is good healthy fat and they just lean into it so it's good mm. i think a good diet of around 30 30 30 you know as long as you're consuming all of them to a moderate degree and not emphasizing one over any other ones, you're probably good. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not like you just need to be pounding back almonds. Because at the same time, fats are very calorie dense. You don't mm -hmm. need that much of them. You know, when I say seven almonds, is a you know, it's like you're set for your your monounsaturated fat with like seven almonds for the day. So it's not now, hard to get them. If you have seven almonds, does that mean that you shouldn't have the beef fat later or is that can you have or should you be getting both of the different fats then that's more saturated fat right but sh it, can you substitute them or do you need both it's so that's where it's like does this need to be all done every day or mm -hmm. is it just overall throughout the you know the week and through the months you're you're more or less averaging a bit of all of them so if you just eat a diet that's just you know one you know just saturated fat is that optimal? Maybe not. Probably not. Interesting. Okay. But neither is a diet where the only fat source you get is almonds. Probably the same thing because yeah. now you're eliminating other things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just as a general, you know, without, you know, that's the kind of thing with nutrition is like nothing is too specific. It's like everyone is kind of different. We all have our own likes and enjoyments or habits that we've built up towards everything. It's like, you don't want to get too specific. That's where, you know, I understand the perspective where people are like, yeah, if you want this, have this. You know, it's better than the alternative here. It's like we, we built up a lot of stigma behind food and people are more or less paralyzed as to what to eat. Mm -hmm. we've, we've done kind of a, you know, by, uh, here's a really good example. Uh, when I started my university career, I got really into reading all the nutrition studies. I was like, this is going to set me apart. I'm going to be the go-to guy in all nutrition. I got to the point where it's like I knew all micronutrient profiles, how they interacted with one another, how the, the, the chemistry of everything sort of worked together to produce the ultimate you know, results of what we needed. The end of every single study, more or less, was the same. Every single study, regardless of what it said, how scientific we got into the processes of this, the breakdown of this, how we get this, was pretty much a balanced diet of protein, carbs, fat. That was it. Mm. So after reading, you know, 50 of these studies, thinking, I'm going to know so much, I'm going to be so good. It's like the, the, the practice of it is actually very simple. You need a balance, you know, with caloric, um, you know, taking into consideration your caloric needs. And protein, carbs, and fat with a good amount of vegetables and low amount of sugar. You know, that's all in, in moderation. Uh, and you're going to, and that effect that we wanted for those micronutrients or this process or anything like that should take care of itself. You know, obviously if there's a disease or something like that, that kind of changes things. So what I really came to the realization of, we're not messing this up on the minute details, the scientific data of changing this, manipulating this. We're, we're just messing up the, the simple stuff, the eat a balanced diet of healthy protein, carbs, and vegetables. That's mm -hmm. the stuff we know. We already know this stuff, but we're not doing it. 
You know, it wasn't a matter of changing the data or knowing the data anymore. It was the habit side of it, the people not, you know, being able to do this stuff on a consistent basis. Yeah. You're right. It all comes down to people not... We know it's good for us. Yeah. We absolutely know what's good and bad. It's just, can we do it consistently? That's the problem. You can't do it for five days and then take five days off or do it for a week and then take three months off. It's exactly. Can you do this for an extended period of time for pretty much the indefinite future? Discipline, man. Wow. Ah, people are so are so complex, but they're also just so simple. So simple. Like, just, this is what you do. You don't need to consult experts. You just do the obvious and you'll feel better. And stick to it. Yeah. So how do we change that? You know, from, <laughs> from you know, I like the reason why I throw this out there right now is the fact that you recognized a spot in your life where food was sort of something that you wanted to have a bit more control of and understand your relationship with it a bit better. Mm-hmm. As a whole, is that where we should go? Is, is it understand our relationship with food? Is it... I mean, not to get too self-help on you, but I mean, understanding your relationship with yourself. Uh, I mean, knowing what makes you your you tick, knowing your weaknesses, your strengths is where you should start, and maybe why you have those weaknesses. It, you know, it could be your childhood trauma coming back, or it could just be that you know you have that habit, that habitual issue with X whatever it is and you need to address that but how do you fix that i mean i don't know well, how I do you fix anything one step at a time yeah. know that the you know whatever it is the trauma you experience when you're younger the heartbreak that you're feeling at the moment that you're going through the stress that you're feeling at work or school or something like that the cure is not at the bottle of uh, mm. the pringles can yeah no matter how many friends episodes you binge watch you're not going to make yourself feel better the issues aren't going to go away what are you talking about joey's my friend joey (laughs) and me and we're besties he doesn't know your name we we just when he succeeds i succeed yeah that's probably the biggest one right there if you you're trying to live vicariously through somebody else but i'm also on a soapbox now and i have nothing to back it up because I am also just as weak as everyone else. So, but we learn from this, you know. We, well, yeah. we we pinpoint our, you know, our expressions or what we see from the world, and a lot of it is what we're experiencing ourselves, and we hopefully take notice of that. And it's like, okay, I've ex- yeah. I've expressed this now. I can change it. What is it? The the first step is uh, realizing you have a problem, and then. Oh, there's like 11 other steps. And <laughs> then you're good. Then you're like the perfect person. This is a secret AA meeting. I don't know what the A's stand for, but... Because it's not anonymous. <laughs> Everyone knows us. Uh, okay. Well, anything else we wanted to, to discuss? I got nothing. I'm what do you, what do you think about um, uh, genital tanning? <laughs> is that bogus or is that like for what purpose is it to increase our dopamine levels is it? I don't know I just everyone well not everyone but 
some people that I've heard. I generally subscribe to the theory that if Liver King says it, don't do it. <laughs> is that a good is that a good enough answer? That's a pretty good answer, yes. So no? I mean I'd, it'd be f- I'm just imagining a world where you go to the beach and it's just spread eagles. <laughs> Spreadies to the gods down the, the strip of the beach. And it's just that's just normal, and you're just like, what happened in the last three years? And you know, no, I don't think it's a necessary thing. Okay, where did you hear about this? Oh, a lot of people are talking about. Okay, that. yeah, sure, yeah, if you yeah. Say so. A lot of well-respected health people. Name one. Kid Carson. <laughs> Isn't that a talk show guy yep. on a yep. morning show? He used to be, and then they kicked him off. <laughs> So well respected, okay. Very well respected. Okay, who anyway, else? Um, and didn't you say medical? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure did. you you included the. He did medical say medical. Mm-hmm. Give me one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> I just I, I'm hearing it around, and I I wanted to I, ask somebody smart. Would it hurt? Probably not. Okay, because you know, from a natural point of view. You know, if your son, if the son, if your body is getting sun, your body shouldn't get only sun on sunspots, right? You should be getting an even tan. Yeah. Like you should be getting vitamin D. D on your whole body, not but just it's parts. Not so much. It's not that the sun, you know, hits us and delivers vitamin D to my shoulder <laughs> and my neck and my <laughs> chest and so on and so forth. It's the sunlight produces the chemical vitamin D in our body we do the processes with it right so it's not that only that area receives the vitamin D my body now has the ability to process and make vitamin D now with that yeah okay this almost I, sounds like Kid Carlson has a fundamental misunderstanding <laughs> of how the human body I mean works. I didn't trust him from a medical point of view you know, but not, I, like if I wear if I go in the sun all day long every day and I wear pants but yeah. I wear no shirt right am I vitamin D deficient in my legs no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that was not a legitimate question. No. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just checking. No. Because <laughs> it's something I've been hearing about, and, you know, it seems like a really low effort way to increase. For, you know, uh, you know those shorts that are really popular, like those five-inch seam shorts that everyone likes to wear mm. now? You know, for the, the of looking good in those, yeah, it'd probably be beneficial to get a nice even tan, get a nice tan up the... The upper thighs, you know, looking good in the summer. Okay. But. Okay. I don't know. Just something I was thinking about. That's fair. I had to run it past you. Any, any other interesting things TikTok has, has <laughs> um, rotted your brain that we need to clear up? I don't think I ever saw that one on TikTok. But there's a lot of other things that are rotting my brain on there. I should really get rid of that. But, I mean... There's pros. Um, what are the pros? So, what do you think of this one? Oh, man. Why does China get a different algorithm for TikTok than we do? Because they're smart. And so they're not there, trying to destroy their people. So, is there a sinister plot to the West? Are we uh, are we doomed to just get dumber and be, you know, have our face in the, in the ever-evolving world of TikTok dances? I think that with everything that's flashy and addictive and new, 
there will be a time of yes, but then there will also be a time of let's maybe move away from this and people will get sick of it and interesting. I don't know. Um, I'm optimistic. I think you're, you you got a much more optimistic view than I do. Um, I think that eventually most people will. No, I can't say I can't say enough good things. No, <laughs> I'm not that optimistic. I think there you're right when some people will absolutely it'll push certain people away. Is it with anything when it goes too far mm-hmm. and it just consumes them? Like I heard a story of my professor loved this story in, in university. His neighbor just comes out of his house one day wearing nothing but his his shorts got his TV over his head and he smashed it on the ground and goes back in and my professor's left on the doorstep like, the hell was that all about? Mm. But it's just, you know, he understood exactly what it meant. It's like, he had enough. Yep. He hit a point in his life where this had destroyed it and it was, didn't want any part of it. It had probably, he had, had didn't have a TV for a long period of time and then it just hit him and it was just, I let this back in and it took over and it was enough. There's going to be people that really like that, but I think that's a small majority. Or small yeah. majority. Very small. I'm upset that you're... I think you're right. <laughs> Zach, what do you think? Do I think that it's... Do you think that the majority of people are doomed to be weak and give in to their addictive personalities? I think that human beings are more resilient than we often give credit for. Mm. I think that if you look back through recent history, you will find people talking about the exact same thing that we're talking about, about a completely different thing. Television, for example. It just changes and evolves over time. Whatever the medium is, that's what it is. We will continue to be resilient and move past it. I don't think that an entertainment app is the downfall of our species. What about the people that are hyper fixated and seemingly not a small percentage of them wanting to be famous and hyper fixated on thinking that this is the end all be all of their life? I think that's an interesting part of our culture now. I don't know exactly how much lasting effect it's going to have. I think it will have lasting effects on the generation that's growing up right now. Okay. But I don't necessarily think that that will be passed down. It'll be like, like how you know people who grew up in the twenties and thirties, you know they they cook very bland food, because there wasn't a lot out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that people, kids who are growing up now, will grow up. I don't know, maybe maybe a little lazier, you know, because they put all their eggs into one basket. That basket being getting famous, and so they don't have a lot of other skills. I think that the carrot that's being dangled in front of the faces of the youth of today is, you know, you can just sit at home and play video games and make a yeah. lot of money doing it. When in reality, the percentage of people that get successful doing that, very, very small. That's with everything. You know, it's like yeah. people that are like, oh, I'm going to be a model or something like yeah. that. It's like, that's, you know, or it's a just professional another, athlete. That's yeah. a small, you know, just because there's more, you know, now that we have Instagram or something like that, we're... You know your favorite model and uh, you know guy that you know basketball player, the guy that plays uh, you know this video game for a living is you know so readily available and they seem like they're so prevalent. Yeah. But it's just 
it's being skewed that way. It's, yeah. you know, just there's millions of people that are doing it, but you're only seeing, you know, a hundred, which makes it look like a lot and that you can yeah. do it. Yeah. It's it's a new kind of celebrity that seems a lot more attainable. Like yeah. I, I'm sure that you know when when movies first started being a thing, you know the population of Los Angeles, the population of Hollywood skyrocketed because yeah. everybody saw this new thing that was happening. Like, hey, I'm kind of good looking. Maybe I'll move to Hollywood and make it as a star. You That's know? why I didn't it's, move. <laughs> it's just it's a new industry, and it, it'll rubber band just like everything always does. That's fair. Yeah, there's always a pendulum. I don't know. <laughs> That's how I always see things like this. You know, like, people get so up in arms whenever there's anything new. Like, you know. That's it, true. It just, it always swings back the other way. And then eventually we find an equilibrium and it's just, it's now a part of us. My inner centrist is agreeing with you. Um, but I also know that as cliche as it is to say, we do live in unprecedented times. And we have seen exponential growth in fields and areas that we shouldn't be seeing at this rate. So, whether it will bounce back like a rubber band? Probably. But... Will it be more of like a micro bounce? Well, and I'm not saying, to be clear, I'm not saying that we maybe shouldn't, you know, grab the pendulum and try and stop it from <laughs> swinging so far in one direction. Because, you know, the farther it swings one direction, the harder it has to go in the other one. Right. So, you know, you might be right. You know, maybe we should be, you know, making it more clear to these kids, you know. Like, think about the percentage of people that are doing this and haven't gotten famous. Because it could have, you know, negative The issue with all of that is that no one, nobody ever knows the failures. Yeah. We only know the success yeah. stories. Yeah. Yeah, they start every day and disappear just like that. No yeah. one knows. Yeah. Uh, personally, I have a, um, you know, I appreciate there's a lot of benefit of the you know the medium that we have it's like you can get any information mm -hmm. right there so it's like the, it's there's really good you know if you let it take you that way mm -hmm. it's so easy for it to turn and you just get nonsense filtered at you all day long the problem with it for me is i see the benefit i also feel like i could provide a lot of benefit but i'm so turned off by all of the negative stuff i see that i have i don't even want to join in with the charade you know so it's like i appreciate a lot of people that put out really good content mm -hmm. but i'm more aware of the mass amount of people that put out what i consider garbage content and i don't want to even you know associate myself with people like that so i don't <laughs> even feel like putting out content yeah and that stuff just to you know avoid being in that same vein it's just what well, am i doing why am i doing this even from just a consumer aspect, it takes so much effort for me to cater my whatever it is, your feed, to always be beneficial, right? You, you don't think that they're trying to sneak in the, the garbage <laughs> content in on you all the time? Of course they are. I feel like it's... They're, they're really interesting in the way it'll go. So it's like, I start getting a really good feed. I'm like, man, this is really good. I'm getting a lot of like really interesting stuff. I'm learning some stuff. 
exposed to some new things is great. And then I'll get something exactly like that. And it's garbage in you. And then you start getting more of it. And then before you know it, that's all I'm getting. I was like, when did this happen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, did I watch like an extra five seconds of that one clip that you gave me? Then then you're just like, oh, he likes this. Gets away from yeah, it pretty you go. quickly. Yeah. Yeah. You watch a, a, a TikTok on thermodynamics and then the next one is, you know, a clip of hot ones. And the next <laughs> one is, you know, hot girls dancing. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? What? Like and then this? the next 50 are hot girls dancing. Exactly. And it's just like, you know, you get one, you always get one in there and it's just like, whatever you go through and then you clip the next one. And it's you got, you get five out of 10 and then you get mm-hmm. 10 out of 10. It's everything. And then you just, you got to look back and be like, where did, you know, I'm just scrolling endless, endless bikinis. What is Man. this? You know, thirst trap after thirst trap. You know, we're weird gym videos where guys make weird videos about going to the gym oh i've seen those ones you're just like sadly you you want to take them and be like you're too young for this you <laughs> shouldn't have the ability to make these videos yet you're going to regret these in a couple of years yeah you know making a video about saying you know you're bench pressing and then you put a caption saying me just, you know, working to be the best version of myself for my future wife while she's probably off getting plowed by some other guy. That's a weird video to make. Yeah. You know, what? What? what is that? You know, you're probably going to regret that. Maybe not post that for the yeah. world to see. Well, what we didn't regret was having you on the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. It has been an absolute pleasure. Any final words, Zach? Um, just thank you. All right. Thank you to both of you. This was a good time. Yeah, awesome. And that's it.